All right, so normally we open the show with a little anecdote or a funny story or the boys weigh in on why uh, tits do look good sometimes or something like that, and we're not going to do that today. And the reason for that is because it's a it's a somber moment. Um, I will say you will notice one of us is not here. Um, we all notice because the floor is not caved in for once. And I just want to say we'll go ahead and address the elephant in the room that the elephant is not here today. And so if you miss him, just know that we miss him with you. Um, but he is still very big. Yeah. And very fat. Yeah. And I don't really care that he's gone, but other people will. So I just wanted to get that out there. It's okay. It's okay. He, he's dead. Garrett. Um, <laughs> Garrett died, and um, details are still kind of coming out. I mean, it's just kind of a. It's fresh. It's fresh. Um, so we don't know everything yet, but uh, his. Uh, lawyer's been in contact with me, um, and uh, his family did put together uh, an obituary. I just got it this morning. I haven't actually looked at it yet because um, I was busy doing other stuff. Um, like Jesse, watch, do like, you like, like say watching anything? Weird Science and trying to cram the fucking bullshit we're covering today. Because um, I don't really care about the show either. But yeah, not really. You don't have anything? Nah, let's just... We do, and I, I do just want to get this out of the way because I'm sure there's going to be a lot of questions surrounding it, a lot of mystery as to what happened, and, you know, when we get details, we will share yeah. them with you, but we do want to make it abundantly clear that all of us are 100% sure that his dick still doesn't work, no. it never worked, it's no. never going to work, and that, but that is not why he died. Yeah, the only thing unaffected by his death is his dick so far. Yeah. Well, it and probably our has a better chance now than he did before. But yeah, actually, yeah, you're still, right. You're right high. Yeah. I mean, the rigor mortis. Right. Yeah, right. So, so but, with all with all that being said, please enjoy this episode for once, and especially the music segment. Yeah, <laughs> just uh, yeah. There's there's at least a chance now, um, but I do I do want to go ahead and. Um, Get it out of the way. Let's go ahead and read us a bitch, Wary. Uh, Dalton, if you don't mind. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll actually take the... I feel like I've got it the most together right mm, now. Jesse so. can't read, so go ahead. <laughs> you, you said you All right, so again, we just want to... Uh, in memoriam for uh, our associate Garrett. Yeah, rest in pizza, Garrett. Go ahead, Dalton. <laughs> it's not funny, Jesse. It's not funny. He liked pizza a lot. He ate it for breakfast, lunch, and second lunch and dinner. Stop laughing. It's not funny. Just read the obituary. He'll stop. You're right, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go on. How did he manage to get even his obituary greasy? <laughs> so, on, well, his whole family's on, fat. On the morning of December 3rd, 2023. Stop. Are you crying? <laughs> yeah, I'm just tearing up. Sorry. It's, it's okay. It's, it's all right. really sad. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> I'm just so happy that finally, when we meet to do the podcast, I'll get something to eat too. Yeah. And I, I promise you guys listening, it won't affect any of the actual verbal output at all. On the morning of December 3rd, 2023, Garrett Leslie yeah. <laughs> It's really sad. It's really good. Passed away, not peacefully, but in a fit hunger pain. 
But in a fit of hunger pains, meat sweats, and perpetual flaccidness, I think we can all relate. Yeah. Yeah. Garrett leaves behind two deeply... (laughs) Deep dish pizzas? (laughs) I doubt it. I think there was none left. They snuck in his tomb with him. (laughs) Garrett leaves behind two deeply unloving parents, especially his father, a sister that was always stronger than him, and his dog, Charlie, who typically... (laughs) Who typically said more than him on any given recording. True. True. (laughs) Garrett had a hard life, but a soft body and prick. Give him what little there was. He was many things in his short time on this flat earth. A chronic bedwetter. It's okay. It's all right. We'll get, just, we're, hey, we're together. Yeah. Okay. The room is strong. Really Do relate all hands. to being soft. Yeah. A chronic bedwetter, doll painter, and connoisseur of all things pay. Yeah. He was can, also, can never take that away from him. Mm-hmm. He was also a part of a hateful podcast that nobody liked or listened to, True. where he served the role of producer, guitar attempter, and was the fourth best member of the show. Counting yeah. our guests. <laughs> oh, shit, teared up there. So. That's good. I That's real, so sweet. Mm. On oh. the morning of December 6th, his remains will be laid to rest. Oh, I was curious. I didn't, I didn't hear about that yet. His remains will be laid to rest in a house fire where he died bedbound like the big fat MoMA from Gilbert Grape. Oh, so we do have some details after all. I think it's in Arkansas. Mm. If you'd like to send well wishes or flowers to the family, please don't. They'd like to just move on, forget the past 32 years, and finally have a full pantry. (laughs) (laughs) No one has to go hungry anymore. R.I.P. Garrett, you're up there eating pizza with the angels now. No longer will any boy at the podcast have a rumbly tummy no. now that he's hey, gone. It's all the fettuccine you can eat in heaven, <laughs> baby boy. And with that, what? good riddance. Let's get into the show. And welcome to the 90s roulette, roulette, roulette. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to another episode of the 90s Roulette Podcast, the show where we spin the wheel to see what media we cover from the only decade worth talking about. Do these things still glitter as gold through rose tinted glasses or not? Yeah, I'm Michael. I'm Dalton. I'm Jesse. And Jesse, what are we covering today? We are covering Blast from the Past, Weird Science, and Semi-Charmed Life by Third Eye Blind. And without any further ado, or Garrett, change it. Hey! This stuff's made in New York City. New, New York, York City! Pick up the original. Pick up the pace. Since 1962, Adam Weber has been calling his parents' bomb shelter home. But now, he's ready to discover our world. This is your first visit to La La Land. My lucky stars, a Negro. Say what? One champagne cocktail. I thought only hookers drank this. Well, I know mom sure likes them. 
Brendan Fraser, Alicia Silverstone. What have you been doing? I'm watching television in color. Blast from the past. Rated PG-13. All right, we're back. Um, some new information that's come to light about Garrett's demise. Um, what happened, so it seems, is Garrett actually did uh, a fan meetup. And um, our listener in Alaska mistook him for a blue well and harpooned him. And the harpoon is actually not what killed him, but... I'm sorry, this is hard. It's okay. But he he blew a lot of meth smoke into his blowhole, and Garrett OD'd. So let's all just take a moment of silence on this audio format. <laughs> it's okay. Sammy Teddy, are you going to fucking hear this episode? <laughs> all right, that's probably enough. All right, and we're yeah. back, and we are covering Blast from the Past from 1999, starring Brendan Fraser. Alicia Silverstone, Christopher Walken, and Sissy Spacek. Jesse, what's this movie about? Man, this is a a doozy. So Christopher Walken, who's married to Sissy Spacek, are just suburbanites in the 1950s who build a bomb shelter before like uh, the communist Red Scare, and it's during what the. Bay of so yeah, Pigs, I think it's during the Bay of Pigs, yeah, the Cuban Missile 62. Crisis, yeah. Cold yeah. War so, reason number Cold War. <laughs> yeah, so. Of course, like they're they're throwing a dinner party at the beginning, and then uh, JFK addresses the nation, and he panics, and they go down to the bomb shelter, and then that there just so happens that like a fighter jet crashes on top of their house, yeah. so they feel the impact, they feel the heat, so they're convinced that nuclear fallout has just happened. So. Which, to be fair. They would have died if they were yeah. not in the bomb shelter because right. so this jet get, yeah. crashes into the home and the insides of this home explode. It's almost like the beginning of a Fallout game. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. It's almost like the, it. Yeah, it almost like it has to lend credibility almost to like them being down in the bomb shelter right. by having something actually happen instead of him just being a paranoid nut job. So. Of course, Sissy Spacek is pregnant, too. So the whole first act of the movie is them just living down here in this bomb shelter for 35 years to avoid the nuclear radiation. And then when the half-life of it finally runs out... 35 years later. 35 yeah. years later, they he just, Christopher Walken decides to go up, sees the, the horrible state that his neighborhood has fallen into which is a bad neighborhood and is it chicago oh no it's la it's la oh, yeah, it's like oakland yeah. yeah yeah that is now so, the 1990s yeah and so he immediately panics 99 freaks Ooh. out goes back down to the bomb shelter and says that he can't go back up there it like causes him to have a heart attack i or whatever yeah it yeah. causes he, him to he, yeah. freak out he and freaks so, out he pays and so they send their son brendan frazier who's now 35 to go up there in his place and collect everything they need to continue living in the bomb shelter. Right. Which and, let's go ahead and call out right now. Let's just go ahead and pull the fucking rabbit out of the hat. They really typecast Brendan Fraser in this because can you think of any other movies this guy starred in where he's literally buried in the ground and comes out into the nineties in LA. I didn't even think of that relationship. The, to Encino, Encino man. man. Yeah. yeah. And not only that, but even with the names, his name is Link in that, like the human Link. 
right? Right. And in this, it's Adam and he meets yeah, Adam, Silverstone and, Eve, yeah. and Eve as like as in repopulating the Earth and starting the planet anew. And so I guess they're at least wildly different characters. Oh yeah, vastly different characters. Similar premise. I mean, yeah. you can see that writer's room, like that Key and Pill fucking Gremlins two sketch of like, who do we yeah. got that could play a, a big dumb, you know, gullible idiot, but who's affable and like likable and all that, and kind of a handsome leading man, yeah. Brendan Fraser. Yeah, so, probably was the easy. And I mean, <laughs> I think the casting, as far as that is, it's not inspired, but it's fine. But I think the casting in the rest of this movie is a little tough. All right, so let me. Yeah, that is the most important thing I wanted to address about yeah. this because I really liked the first act of the movie. Yes. I thought it was really funny. It's Chris, the most Chris, interesting. It's the most interesting. It's the most Christopher part. Walken. Yeah, Christopher Walken yeah. and Sissy Spacek are great and sell it really well. And Brendan Fraser's fine, fine, but he's a yeah he's he's supposed to be kind of a rigid guy. But as soon as he goes up, and we meet Alicia Silverstone, oh boy, it takes a downturn because the rest <laughs> yeah. the rest of the movie, by the way, is essentially a rom com of a guy who has no idea how to do social interactions, how the world works. He's never driven a car. He's lived in a bomb shelter for his entire. Life, never seen the water, never seen the sky, amazed by everything around him. And so he's such a buffoon that makes him so appealing and whimsical well, to this is another problem I have his with romantic movie, is that like he's he of course he comes from like a wealthy suburbanite nineteen fifties family. Right. He's like a stocky white boy. He could have been the quarterback on his high school football team. He goes up there and it's like something about the message of the movie is really weird. Skid I mean, it's Row. Like, it, like he, uh, he's like this, you know, polite. He has these 1950s values. He goes up into, yes, yeah, Skid Row, this like neighborhood that's fallen apart and just fails upwards because he's like, he's completely clueless, but everyone likes him anyway because he, he's, he's charming cool. and right. he's just. Yeah, he's just like this. He comes from a, an era where, like, yeah, he wouldn't have he he wouldn't have failed. So it's impossible for him to fail, right? He is, yeah. and he is also structured in such a way that it's he's a tall, white guy with a lot of valuable items on him because he he comes up and he's carrying like baseball cards that are worth thousands Very and thousands ones, of yeah. dollars. Right. He's, and, got, he's got like a, a tobacco <clears throat> box full of like Barry Bonds and, and Babe Ruth yeah, and shit like Mickey that. Mickey Mantle. He thinks are basically, you know, they're, they're sentimental to him, but they're basically worthless. They're worth maybe five right. bucks or something. He worth worth a pack of like big league chew, but our bazooka Joe, I guess in his case. But I think to your point I mean, brendan fraser was being cast in the mummy because the mummy is kind of a throwback like adventure from the 1940s in the vein of indiana which Jones, is like what right? two years after this it's this movie it's it's 99 it's the same i'm sorry it's this year it's i, it's I gotta give year. to brendan fraser in that it's the same year but they do manage to make him look 20 years younger than he, he does. Yeah. 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 yeah and i think it's perfect casting because brendan fraser does have the build of like Alan Ladd or something like that to where like not many guys are built like that. Just like this big broad shouldered sort of like sturdy, not like muscular, but stocky. And that was the build they were looking for, for those high adventure movies. That's who they used to hire back in the day was just these big, like this guy probably played like wide receiver or something in high school and went yeah. pro. And now he's an actor and now he's like an every man and he looks handsome. And this is like who you aspire to be. 
And uh, Brendan Fraser, I think, fits this mold perfectly because he's coming from like a 60s, an early 60s mold. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think you're right, though. I think um, Christopher Walken, it, it's a shame that he he's not phoning it in. Christopher Walken was already doing like stunt casting at this point in the late 90s of like, well, they'll, he'll just say yes to everything. Like this same year, he's making Sleepy Hollow, which he's only in that for 10 minutes, maybe five minutes. And then he's in like a bunch of shitty straight to video, like independent movies. This is the kind of thing I think he really does best, though, for sure. It's playing these supporting roles that are not even in it that much. But every scene he's in, he's He's hilarious. He's kinetic, man. even, Even in this movie, the beginning is the strongest part. Not even just... And and not to disparage Brendan's performance at all, because he's supposed to play a straight man, the straightest man oh, of all time. Rigid. He's supposed yeah. to be the king of what is the embodiment of the 1950s, because that's who his parents were. They yeah. raised him his entire life. He's never even spoken to another person right. his entire life, yeah, or, like let alone 90, seen one. Ninety percent of the comedy in the movie comes from him having these rigid nineteen fifties values. In the, a yeah, the embodiment in the of 90s. values. Yeah, and, and discovering things about the world that are normal and commonplace to everyone else around him. And it does the same type of shit as like that stupid fucking what was the movie that was uh, based around the Goo Goo Dolls Iris. Nick Cage. City of Angels. And, yeah, 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 yeah. It's that same shtick where check, check guy, list of what would guy with values out of a time capsule think about pornography, and what would he think about like, a, a you know a guy like, with like a lip piercing, and what would how, he think about a transsexual? How would he be amazed by a microwave or right. the fact that there's a computer in someone's home? It's just that shit, and that's I mean, done in a lot of fucking movies. It's done in a lot of movies sell- where. Buffoon comes on deck. Fish out of water genre. Exactly. Yeah. You Who could, doesn't su- you know could it. sum up the whole movie in that fir- when he first goes up there and the very first thing he does is see a black person and go, wow, a Negro. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this, I, mean, I wish he would have fallen in love with her since she was the first girl he saw. And like, that's a movie I would watch. God. He, but he's just playing George of the Jungle. When yeah. he gets to the city. He's playing yeah. Dudley, Dudley do right? George of the Jungle. This guy was just in this mold. In fact, I mean, even the mummy, he's a little more kind of gray area anti-hero. He's, well, he's a lot sexier in the mummy, well, I he's would like say. A, he's kind of a thief. He's kind of a, a broguish type or yeah, whatever in that. Kind of bandit yeah, yeah, a little yeah, Jack yeah. Sparrow-y of like, I don't know, he's, he's, he's just as likely to run off with the treasure as he is to share it with right. you. Well, I like, love him in the mummy, but yeah. to, in, in this, yes, he is doing the exact, the buffoon who doesn't know how to act in this world with these societal norms, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And that's the entire two-thirds almost of the movie which just turns into because he's clueless he needs help so exactly he enlists alicia silverstone's character to help him track down all the things that his parents have asked for for the bomb shelter right and And i do i do want to say just very quickly the beginning of the movie is solid because of the story that it's telling at the time it's not about a guy just trying to find a girlfriend it's not this like rom-com story. It's this interesting what if, yeah. Little, yeah, what if, how do you act? What would your life be like if you made a mock home within a bomb shelter and it follows this couple's very confined space living and all of the little logistics that he has built into this Which space. Which I got to say like I think my favorite part of the entire movie is Sissy Spacek. 
and the way that she starts at the beginning having oh. an those, alcohol problem yeah and then yeah. she just dis- yeah she just completely falls apart into just being a hard alcoholic because she's just stuck down in this bomb shelter with no one else five Christopher, yeah, Christopher Walken is just so likable and at ease with all of this like this is what his his crusade was was to prepare and protect his family like right. that was what his societal role was it and, paid and off he, and he did it so he's so likable but what this thing is if you think about it so you have one parent who's an alcoholic, you have another one that's just sort of like a dumb, clueless, but lovable type, and then you have a kid who's just sort of like accepting of all of it, in a confined space with everything you could ever want. Are there any other movies like that? The Shining? <laughs> Except this is the opposite of like, it kind of works, and the mom's the alcoholic, who's kind right. of instead of yeah. Instead of the dad going stir crazy and murdering right. his family. He's like, no, it's all going to plan. But what I love is if they made this movie now and they used big stars for the parents, they would use some kind of de-aging technology. Mm -hmm. And in this, we just sort of like, we just sort of accept. Make Christopher Walken balder. Yeah. Well, like Christopher Walken in the opening of this movie, I guess they're supposed to be, what he and Spacey are supposed to be like 35. Something like that. Something along those lines. Christopher Walken's like 89 there and Sissy Spacey is like 94 in that opening. And they just sort of pretty them up. But if they had de-aged them, Chris, like to look like they did back in the seventies when they were young, Christopher Walken looked like fucking David Bowie fucked a mosquito, and Sissy Spacek looked like Garrett with Michael Jackson's nose, <laughs> like in Carrie. <laughs> oh, no, I got it. Steve Buscemi fucked David Bowie. That's what Walken looked like back in like Deer Hunter. Hot. I'm, <laughs> I was about to say, but no, in this, like you're right. They just sort of aged them naturally. They put some wrinkles on Spacek and I really liked the first act of this. Like when I, yeah, I, do I, too. I remember going into the movie and thinking like, I know I saw this. I probably saw it in like 2001 or two when I was working at Blabuster and just watching everything, but I don't remember Dick about it. I don't remember anything about this movie, but I know I saw it. And then watching the back two thirds of this, I'm kind of like, okay, that makes sense. So, I mean, it's pretty forgettable. And in fact, it's almost presented like in this sort of wholesome PG way. But the second they get back up top, you hear a fuck dropped at the baseball card shop. Yeah. After Alicia Silverstone and Fraser meet. And it's yeah. like, is this kind of a, a dirtier movie than I remember? I love the part where Christopher Walken goes up and sees the world for the first time. And he walks up to the trans hooker and he's like, what year is it? Or what, what is, he says something to the effect of like, you know, what? Uh, do you know how to do this? She's like hunting for $200. He's like, okay. He just he goes, I can be a man. Yeah. I can be a woman. I can be whatever you want. Yeah. <laughs> he it, just immediately it's, turns it's a fire around. cell or whatever she says. Yeah. He's really, really like tapping into like young Christopher Walken here. I think, I think his performance is so solid here. And have we covered very funny. the last three episodes have been Christopher Walken movies? Huh. We did Sleepy Hollow, oh, Kangaroo shit. Jack, and th- this guy's everywhere. <laughs> yeah, that's wow. right. Yeah, I didn't even think I'm about that. Yeah. Everything. We've covered oh, wow. wa- yeah. Walkins all over the 90s. <laughs> yeah, yeah, all over the place. But I, I did just, and we could move on past you know the first act of the movie, but it's the best part the best because part. it it tells an interesting tale that you don't see a lot. It tells you this story of, okay, well, what if a family did just pack up and live like there was just nuclear fallout yeah. and they have an entire 
son who never interacts with another person, doesn't know what anything else is like. He's trying to explain baseball to him, for right. fuck's sake. And to a though, kid who knows how to speak French, German, English, Spanish, whatever, however many fucking languages he's there's down nothing there, else to do. Yeah. Teaching him in between physics lessons and boxing matches with his dad. Yeah, this kid can't even pick up on what fucking baseball is because he doesn't understand the concept of a team sport. You or have to see like it. That. Yeah, yeah, you got to see it. And that was a really interesting take. And even when the kid starts growing up, he's kind of a little sponge there to just be like, yeah, wouldn't it be silly if he tried to understand what his dad meant because his dad knows what baseball is and he just has no clue. That's fine. Like, those jokes are okay and everything. But, yeah, as soon as it goes up top, it turns into this entire story that's like, isn't the world so much worse for wear now that they come up because all the people look shitty, the places look shitty, they're doing what is at least alluded to as seedier things like adult bookstores and everyone has cars that are fucking dragging ass and critically i think it's like yeah that's probably the weakest part of the movie is that by the end of the movie you there's this feeling of like what it was better this way wasn't it better in the 1950s and you're like "Mm, okay yeah it, it it doesn't really waste any time at all explaining the perspective of because everything takes place in this uh very dense populated city atmosphere. So there's almost no indicator for the positives that came along with technology. At best, it's when they mention the fact that he has a personal computer in his own house. But that's, that's really it. There's nothing alluded to as far as like transportation goes. The fact that like, airplane travel or the internet at all. You don't need to see cell phones in this movie, not really. Not really. You, you, You just, you don't really see a lot of any of the benefits, and that was kind of the weirdest take the movie took with you. Is like, yeah, he's sweet and genuine, and that's uh, you know a- a- adorable. But also, there were not some pretty not cool things, like the entire fucking reason that there was a Cold War, shit like that. You know what right. I mean? Like, or the fact the only black person we see in the movie is when he exclaims, "Wow, black person!" And yeah, exactly, like, it's the prostitute. Yeah. Well, yeah, okay. But speaking uh, of yeah, which, like, I, I let the credits roll because I always do just to make sure like there's not someone at the very bottom where it's like, oh wow, you know, Walter Matthau's in there as newspaper reader number three. Or it was something. Wesley Snipes. Yeah. Oh, I have, well, no, it's <laughs> it's the credit for the trans prostitute is Jasmine J A Z M U N. So I think they hired a real person. It was probably like a performer or something like that. Mm-hmm. But they got a real person, which the reason I'm bringing this up is. Let's talk about someone else who's cast in this. Dave Foley from Kids in the Hall as the gay friend of Alicia Silverstone. Is it her friend or her brother? I have no idea. They don't really make it all that clear. I thought it was her brother. But who knows? This guy, I guess when they were casting this part, they were like, who could we get? And it's like, well, we're not going to hire an actual gay person. So let's hire a person from a troupe that largely dresses up as women and can do a woman's voice. (laughs) And there's literally a montage sequence where they're doing the YMCA song together. Yeah. And I thought, fuck, man. Like, they could have... Not not only Silverstone is miscast, but Foley is not really doing anything here funny, not really, and he's not good in it, and it just seems kind of cringy. They should have gotten someone like fucking Neil Patrick Harris or something who's gay, who has just done Starship Troopers. Right, he, but they wouldn't have. And is good. And is a good, yeah, he's a performer. Not that this dude is, in particular, like, 
bad. He's just feeling a he's, what feels like a quota he's doing for this movie. What he was told to do. Exactly. And in fact, I honestly think it's a better movie if they had fucking hired Polly Shore to maybe tone it down a little bit and play the friend and have it be a reunion with him and Brendan Fraser because Link, the character from Encino Man, shows up in, in the Army now and he shows up in Son in Law too. He's a cameo in both of those movies. But I figured out what the connection was between him and Dave Foley. Fraser is in the Kids in the Hall Brain Candy movie as like a science project or something a couple years before that. I didn't know that. So I think he and Foley probably hit it off there, and it's like, let's get this guy. I like him a lot. And I I will say, you know, as much as I didn't really care for the major plot points of the later half or the the other two-thirds of the yeah, movie yeah, we haven't the, even the really talked movie. about which yeah. is that like yeah it turns into a movie of him being lonely and while alicia silverstone who has been basically hired by him to help him find all the supplies that he needs for the bomb shelter he also asked her to find him a wife and she falls in love with him over the course of the movie while she's helping him do this stuff. Which, by the way, seems like it's for absolutely no reason. She's not a good person. Because, she's and, shallow. And she do, she well, doesn't do, he doesn't do anything for her. She doesn't really of. have any there's, reason to like him. There's, there, she, like you, at first, when you first meet her, you think, oh, she's just a crass city girl. Like That's, that's really it. But the, I think when it starts trying to build the redeemable qualities about her is when she comes back to give him back this $4,000 baseball card that he used as payment for her to just drive him to a fucking holiday inn. Cause that's something his mom mentioned. She brings it back to him and says, I can't take this. So that's supposed to show that I guess she's, she's somewhat genuine in that she's not just going to run off and she could have robbed the guy blind for all those fucking baseball cards. Right. So like, I think that is the point is that she didn't take advantage of him and that's what makes her nice but to what you're saying in that he doesn't really do anything for her yes but when you said he fails upwards he almost doesn't even fucking fail this man is built for success he comes out the gate swinging dick on everything he (laughs) knows how to fight so he punches a guy in the fucking mouth right. three he's times. Very polite, doesn't even get so touched. He's, he's charming. He's charming. He's and he's polite. rich. He knows how to dance. They don't know he's rich or filthy rich yet. Yeah, that, that, that that's what it's, it's already like a, it's not enough that he has these baseball cards that are worth a lot of money, which he, he would already do fine. <clears throat> yeah, like no, he turns has out to later. also his father had to have also given him stocks and fucking AT and T and IBM. Yeah, <laughs> that's worth millions of dollars. But the, he he. I, I get why she could fall in love with him because he's a buffoon that needs help, but he's also fucking great at everything. He knows how to speak other languages. He knows how to dance. He's tall and handsome, and he's polite and sweet. And he's nice, which he makes a point at the beginning of the movie to say, like, all the men I usually am with are... Airheads. Airhead assholes, you know, right. that are pretty, but they're, yeah, they're... Which and he is the antithesis like, of that. I, I forgot who the boyfriend was. I forgot he was in this. Yeah, yeah it's Nathan, Nathan Fillion. Fillion. Yeah, yeah. yeah he, he looks, he looks was pretty funny. good in this. I liked him. In it. He, he was, was fine. Funny. Yeah, he was funny. Yeah, I mean, playing uh, playing a jerk-off, so, I mean... Yeah. I, I wish there would have been more scenes with him in it. Yeah. Or that he had had a little bit more, like, story-wise for substance. But there is a story to tell. Like, if you remove the the shitty romantic comedy interest uh, plot from the movie, there is a decent story to tell about a guy who comes out who knows nothing other than what his two parents have downloaded into his fucking brain and being arguably better for it. 
You know, you know, like yeah. good at things, good at fighting, dancing, speaking, p- politeness, etiquette. He's good at all of these things, and so there's something to say about that. Is that like he brought those qualities along with him? But that's that's ambiguous of the time period that his parents were in, right? You can come out having all of those things and be from any decade, really, right? Sure. Right. It's just that he has a little bit more like couched '60s style and vibe to him that is carted along. Well, he the also has movie. the like, like there's that scene when they're at dinner, I think. And they say something to the effect of like why he waits for them to eat or why something. he's respectful during dinner. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's he he is polite and has etiquette at a table because it's out of respect for the guests that he's with, not for some kind of facade of being more refined or better than anyone else. It comes from a place of respect, like walking into someone's home and taking your shoes off. It's not because right. we. But that just goes back to yeah. Like, we like seeing toes the way out. the movie like it's not about just him being a decent guy. It's it's trying to push this like well, the 1950s values are better values than the right. values people have in the 90s. But if you really think about like, it, it's not about the values so much as the fact that he just has fucking skills in every. Which is why he yeah it does well. Which is why he yeah, yeah. succeeds. Regardless, you know, despite his disadvantage of having zero social interaction with anyone and being a a buffoon to the fact that, wow, sometimes sinks can actually conjure water if you just move your hands underneath them. Or shit like that, to that effect. He's just amazed by simple things. And there is a story there that could have been decent and how that translates back to integrating his family into this new world because even after he does, his father doesn't even fucking believe it. He thinks it's just commie bullshit and that yeah, like they've the, lied to everyone. Yeah, so at the very end of the movie, he buys them a house and brings them out of the bomb shelter and the house is an exact replica of the house that they had that was ruined. Right, tucked sort of away in the mountains of some beautiful yeah. fucking <laughs> and place. For them to like, decompress and acclimate to like a modern world. I have a lot right. to say about that part of the movie. So he comes forward, he, he tells his dad the truth. They're sitting out on like the patio and he's like, dad, there was no bomb. It didn't happen. There was no nuclear fallout. It was a plane that crashed on the house. Yeah, what are you saying? Those pinko bastards, they just, <laughs> yeah. they just said, like saying, I surrender, I surrender. He doesn't like, believe yeah, it. Kind of. And then my favorite part is when he turns to him and goes, don't tell your mom. Oh, yeah. He, he's, <laughs> it's sinking into him, but he can't just acknowledge it openly. Like, she will unhinge if she right. knows that she just spent the past 35 years of her life in a fucking bomb This woman closet. who it's like, I, honestly, I could have watched an entire movie just about that. They could have sent Brendan Fraser up and we could have stayed down in the bomb shelter and I would have loved that movie. I would have loved to sh- have progress. seen more scenes of her trying to improvise alcohol. Like, <laughs> yeah, when she's the getting like the, she get at the cooking yeah. cherry. Again, then, like, those are the interesting elements of the movie it's right. how the she's fuck like, she's managing and it's funny the way she's like trying to keep it secret at the beginning of the movie but then by the end she's in she's that, passed she's out in, the laundry she's like she, no, she's like in that ridiculous like harness the, or whatever the back massager like, yeah the back massager that's like yeah. shaking her and she's just holding the martini glass standing there I, I love <laughs> the idea of like Christopher Walken only taking so many cases of fucking gin or whatever though like well, a, a, an adult male and woman, they only go through a bottle every month. And it's like she's going through like two bottles a day and <laughs> yeah. just improvise, fill them with water or something. That's, like, I wanted to see more of that relationship. Yeah, she I, I wanted she to live coping. in the shelter with them, yeah, with the, Christopher yeah. Walken the as his them, wife. <laughs> the, <laughs> I was just trying to see if you go right through it or not. The two of them are fantastic. And yeah. I really think if there was more of the elements of he goes up there and like kind of succeeds and 
it's working out well, and then he tries to integrate his family in, and his dad doesn't fucking believe it, and almost takes on this, like, villain arc, potentially. That might have lent itself to be a more interesting movie, because the fucking rom-com shit is just... It's a totally different movie when he yeah. ke- when he gets to the surface and after we get through the initial like him finding a handler to take care of him through being in this new modern world it's just a fucking rom-com it's just scene it's after go. scene of him doing adorable dumb boy shit and her being like mm, maybe he is nice enough to see me naked that's and, it. That's and, all it is. Instead of this fascinating mental breakdown that's happening in the yes! bomb shelter. That is so <laughs> yeah. much more interesting. She's sitting there chain smoking cigarettes and going into a fucking secluded room to scream at the thought really? of she has to stay down there for a second I, look, longer. Look, if, if my wife had not been sleeping next to me when I got to the end of the movie, I would have burst out laughing at the very end when he was like, don't tell your mother. <laughs> so this is our happy rom-com ending. This, this, was the, yeah, this was at three in the afternoon because <laughs> yeah. your wife is also day drunk like Sissy Space because <laughs> she can't fucking deal with you anymore. <laughs> but she would have had a mental come apart at the mere utterance of yeah, you could have gotten out All sooner, or you like you yeah, didn't we could we we didn't need to be down. I mean, he did. She he did stabbed him in the face. He did save their lives. Yeah, he did. Again, they yes. would have died if the explosion had gone off and they not been in that shelter because the plane leveled their fucking house. But can we also just quickly but it, mention... it ruined her life being down there 35 years. The point when she's like, I can't, I gotta go up there, and she goes up there herself, which is by far the best gimmick in the movie, too, by the way. That yeah, the elevator the, yeah. ride up. Yeah. And then they get, she gets up there and sees all the guys, because first, Christopher Walken goes up there, and it's a it's a bar, right? That was once a like a cafe. It was like a soda pop. Soda pop, like, yeah. yeah. Johnny Rockets like kind of 1960s thing. And it thing. starts with like this guy's mother owns it and she right. passes it to him after it's it turns Joey into Slotnick. like a dive bar. It, it slowly yeah. translates. At, yeah, it so, slowly transitions from like soda bar to fucking desolate. Well, like biker bar and yeah, biker. like punk bar. And, and then, then like just, homeless Basically, it's showing you the transition of time and how it's going from like this idealistic, like you know, Norman Rockwell painting neighborhood, right? To Beaver being, Cleaver right, shit. Right. Yeah, now it's Skid so Row. By and the time Sissy Spacek goes up there, there's they, a cult for There's a cult because they keep right. seeing these people rise up out of the ground, and they're just like worshiping her, and she yeah, just and immediately like suits. screams and just goes back down, and she's like, "No, yeah. it's like this poor woman." Like <laughs> every time you see jo- the Joey Slotnick guy, the, the guy that owns the bar, who basically looks like you know, a, a vagrant at this point. Every time I see him, all I could think is like fucking uh, Chris Elliott, the guy from the guy that plays Hansel in scary movie too. You know, his little hand. Oh yeah. yeah. That actor and Andy Dick both said no to this. So it's like, <laughs> wow. let's just find a guy that's kind of like this. Cause Andy Dick is with uh Frazier too. in a few movies, I mean, in the, yeah. in the army, he would have fit in well, he would have been great in that. It's playing like an acolyte of these like people coming out of the ground in hazmat suits. He would have been fucking in 1999. Like he's doing the Andy Dick show on MTV. Like this is at him is his most unhinged. So and I would have loved really, to see that's, that. That's yes. his most unhinged. Well, I mean, <laughs> and her entire life, things. her entire adult life almost is spent in that fucking bomb shelter. And then she comes out and that's what she sees. Right. And it's essentially the same effect it has on her as Christopher Walken's character. Yeah, they just can't, they, they, they can't deal and they just revert back to bomb shelter. Right. But that's the interesting fucking parts of the movie. Right. Like, that's the cool like, part. Well, it's almost like you're looking for a reason of this wasn't for nothing. Like, no, it's there are radiation ghouls up there. I mean, yeah. this is this is terrible. 
And I mean, by comparison or whatever to what they what they remembered, like the idealized version of what they remembered, it, it's kind of a better world in places. I mean, like he like you said, Fra- Frazier sees a postal worker and calls her a Negro because it's like something that's almost that's like the very like first thing mythological happens. to him. And it's like, no, a lot of good things have happened since the 1960s. Like we're not on the verge of fucking nuclear annihilation for one. But, but, it, but it misses the, this movie. Right. Oh, yeah, almost right. and this movie it's, becomes exactly a point. date. It's movie. like that. That was a thing that could have been addressed. It's like, there's, yeah, there's a lot to say about that in terms of like what has gotten better, but it just kind of completely glosses over. Yeah. It. I mean, they end up and, in one of the, I don't know, most beautiful fucking places ever to live. Uh, because he's filthy rich, and he just doesn't even fucking believe it. He doesn't even assume that, no, the bomb still went off. And yeah, they would have died if they didn't go in the bomb shelter. They could have come up a lot sooner, blah, blah, blah. But it, yeah, the movie just it throws all of that aside. Even the when he wraps it up at the end to tell him that there was no bomb, it kind of happens very quickly. It's funny. It's like if this movie was made today, there would have been an after credit scene of Christopher Walken sitting at the table with Sissy Spacek and telling her the truth and just ending on her face. <laughs> like that's the end her, of the movie. Yeah, some, something. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there would have been like one little post thing in there. <laughs> yeah. But I, I, think what's, I think what you can blame all this on is that Christopher Walken and Sissy Spacek probably said they're busy booked actors and they said, I'll give you two weeks to get all my scenes or three weeks to get all my scenes. That's Maybe. my schedule. But it's a shame because they carry the movie. They carry the they movie. Carry and the movie. Fraser, I guess, is like kind of hot off a few things. I mean, But he's victim to the character that he's supposed to be playing. And in the script. Right. Yeah, it's yeah. very limited. And what can I, you fucking do when you're supposed to be a guy who looks like he works in a barbershop? And I got to right. say, just, just watch Reptile like two nights ago and Alicia Silverstone's in that. And Isn't she's that crazy. She's decent in that movie. She's like an A twenty four horror movie. So like she's in the, the killing of a sacred deer and the lodge and stuff. Like she's making these yeah, really like she's, she's I, a bit so I'll say like she she definitely has turned into a, a good actress over time that, that knows less is more and to just sort of be present on screen so, and not yeah, just, talking. Ooh, this period this is the way out. I mean, this is the end. Because, I mean, she does Batman and Robin the year before this, and then there's this. And I looked it up. There's not a lot. Like, I mean, she's working, but it's not like big, big theatrical things after this. I don't, for I don't a long even time. really have a problem with her either in this movie. I, think I mean, she's kind of bad. Yeah, I, I well, I mean, like uh, what, what, what do you do when your dialogue and your character is. You are written around a man's desire for you. That's your character. I, mean, I that's get all it. You I get there. that it's not like an amazing part, but I also just felt I felt like she was reading a lot of the time. Oh, it's that's not, what it it's feels not, like. I, I, I listen. I this is this is not me praising this other person that could have been cast, but I think in 1999 you could have literally cast someone like Jennifer Love Hewitt. Who at least like knows go big or go home and kind of like gets goes real high sometimes and it's not good it's not likable but it's there's presence on I screen. I actually really liked Jennifer Love Hewitt. Well, I mean, ninety nine it would have worked with this, but Alicia Silverstone, you're right. She's just sort of there and playing like the girl next door, who's also kind of kind of flawed and kind of a twat in places. Like she's not she's not a good person really. And that's kind of the thing. Well, like you is said she gets better. They just keep they keep saying like he's so good, he's so lovable that he should be put in an insane asylum because who else exists like this? Kind of by the end of the movie, while the rest of them are like, yeah, we're selfish, shitty, like flawed people. Like we're modern people and we're not good. We don't have the same norms and values as this person did. And I think I think you're right. I think the filmmakers may be saying like things were better. 
we should we should try to go back to the way things were in some ways. People used to care about each other. And even if that wasn't the intention, like you said, like he just happened to be in a bomb shelter and they didn't have anything to do, so he gets really skilled at everything because that's right. the, you know. So there maybe that was more kind of what they were leaning to, but that's the way it ends up coming across. It, that's the way it yeah. ends up coming across because they make it look so destitute when they come right. up. There's nothing you know, redeemable had, about the nineties. Right. If if they had come out of a fucking bomb shelter in the middle of like. I don't know. Colorado. The, yeah, yeah. The beautiful yeah. mountain somewhere or out in, of a or, small or town. Or in the Hollywood part of LA. Well, it, like, it really just the glamorous anything, part. Right. Anything other than just like Skid destitute. Row. Yeah. yeah. Uh, anything other than just like very uh, dilapidated and worn out and a victim to time and poverty and et cetera. It, it could have gone an entirely different way. Are we talking could, about Brendan Fraser now? <laughs> it, it, it could have gone an entirely different way but did. That, Abraham the whale is amazing that didn't have to yeah rest in peace Garrett <laughs> that didn't have to be a victim to the decades that it was talking about is is the greater takeaway there but I mean nonetheless the the movie in and of itself is there just to have and, and to her credit it's it's a movie for him to find someone to go googly eyes about yeah. her character is almost irrelevant it doesn't fucking matter any of the women that he has in the like club bar scene would have done just as well it, it doesn't matter oh the, it's that, not, that club bar let's bring up something it's 1999 it's the club 40s is what it's called yeah so of course there's like a weird retro hipster throwback bar to the 40s with right. big band so when they go in there, what are they playing? They're not playing like Perry Como or whatever, which they've already clearly licensed for the movie. They're right. playing like Cherry Poppin' Daddies or some shit. It's not Cherry Poppin' Daddies, Zoot Suit Riot, but it's one of those things where they were doing this shit just like the, the Afro-Cuban stuff that we covered with like Lubega. 99 was that year of like, oh, remember when, remember the big swing music? Remember when guys wore right. bow ties? Uh, that, yeah. that, that club is literally centered around that idea, that niche idea right. of music from Trump, the late right. 90s. So of course, that's where they go. Fucking terrible. Yeah, yeah that's think- where they go because the, the, the opposite of that, if they had come out, when he comes out of the fucking elevator for the first time, and he sees a guy in a lowrider coming by with a fucking pistol. It's blasting rap music, like generic background yeah. rap music. And it's like, man, this is rough, isn't it? It's like, well, that's, you know, it's a different genre of music that was created. Right, but no, that's rough. Yeah, yeah that's Ugh. rough. That makes it yeah. rough. That makes oh, it wow. A gardener's a shooting me with a water pistol and it's raining. It's- <laughs> and I think the problem I have ultimately with, with <laughs> he got the it. relationship with the... You know, Brendan Fraser and Alicia Silverstone's thing and why I felt like it's like, oh, he doesn't do anything for her. She doesn't really have a reason to fall in love with him. Maybe it's less to do with that and more to do with like, it seems like she, the movie has some weird thing to say and that like, she's not happy with her life, right? She talks about how she's always getting screwed over by guys. She's not she's happy not, with her life because she's a yeah. victim of modern day society. Yeah, exactly. Et cetera. And so she needs this perfect guy from the 1950s to come lift her out of it. Like right. She's not, she couldn't do it on her own. Exactly. Yeah. 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 That's what I mean by she has written for him. And I think it's very believable that she would fall in love with him because who the fuck wouldn't? He is a multi-skilled, talented, handsome, tall, wonderful man who is respectful. Who the fuck's not going to... Oh, no, he treats me good. Like, what? what, what is the take why there? The, why did the table just lift on your side? <laughs> I really like the whale. What if Andy Dick it. wrote the script? <laughs> we just didn't look it up. I do have something about this. Um, 
So the director, this could explain a lot about why the movie goes this way. The director, his name's Hugh Wilson. He was kind of uh, an older guy when he made this. This is what this is what his career trajectory is like, though. It's not much. He starts with Police Academy, the first one. Oh shit! Okay. Pretty, pretty wow. strong start, kind of a dirty yeah, movie. Very like, much. You yeah. watch the sequels, and it's like they're PG thirteen. Right. First one is fantastic. First one's a dirty yeah. fucking movie. It's like Porky's. Yeah, that's really good. Okay. So then the next big thing is like there's a few other things in the eighties, but he did Guarding Tess with Shirley MacLaine and Nick Cage. Never where seen Cage, yeah, never seen Cage plays like a Secret Service agent, and MacLaine plays like a, a first lady. The it's it's a movie for moms, it, moms that also take their moms to the theater to go see. Okay. That's kind of what it is. Then he makes the first Wives Club, which is like a Goldie Hawn, Bette Midler movie. Another mom movie. Then he makes Blast from the Past. And then the last thing he did of note was Dudley Do-Right, with also with Brendan Fraser. Ew. So this guy is kind of coming from like a, I like to make movies that please people. But he starts with Police Academy. And it's Funny. like, yeah. he was probably, he's probably in his late 40s, early 50s when he made Police Academy. So he wasn't like a spring chicken then. Wildly but, different. And I love how yeah. he also does these movies that are very, like you say, they're lower, sort of matriarch, like yeah. driven, heavy. And then we have this movie where Sissy Spacek is basically cast off and just, but, I mean, she's a drunk. It's yeah. fine. They're, they're mom <laughs> movies. They're, they're paper thin. Like it's a checklist saying mom movies just need like A, B, C structure. Right. Hallmark sure. style. Yeah. That's all it is. But with a few yeah. laughs and like, oh wow, Bette Midler said shit in that one scene. That's the wildest Sorry. thing so to hear he that he made it, Police Academy. And yeah. then does wholesome stuff. Yeah. yeah. Very, very wholesome stuff. And uh, yeah, I mean, between this and Deadly Do, right? Like that's kind of it. And this movie starts kind of like anyone could like this, especially if you're a walking fan. But by by the middle to the end, this is a movie that like you went to take a date to, and then when you went out to eat afterwards or were driving home, you were like, "Do you like it?" And I was like, "It's all right." Particularly, like, the girl didn't like it. The guy didn't really like, like said, it. It's not really particularly older couples. I think if you're like a teenager on a date, you would not like this specifically because of the way that it. This is this is a movie for people who would walk out of the movie and think huh, it was better like that exactly that's, yeah that's yeah. the it was whole better. Yeah, yeah that's the audience right you're bringing there. up garrett's dad again this episode <laughs> young kids are gonna walk out and be like that was garbage like where there's like yeah i yeah. They, unless you are someone who has some sort of fond remembrance of a different time or how it's or a believer in that it has progressively gotten just like the movie is out of time it would feel that exactly but it looks back on the the time that where he is from that's the good timeline anything after just got worse i mean the 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 entire fucking bar soda shop whatever that they come up and out of tells the entire story of the movie right it actually that's the moral right there it, it actually got serves worse. as like yeah. a vehicle for that. as the montage too yeah. because it's not a montage in the shelter mm-hmm. you get full scenes you get a full act with that first part and that's a really important right. i mean they even uh, the part where the mom gives it to their son and he's like Asked if he could buy it from her. She's like, I'll give it to you. This neighborhood's gone to shit anyway. Right. It like, and it's still like pristine and perfect. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. It's like it's 1968 or something. Yeah. But I think I think what really hurts this movie, and just hear me out on this, because like, like I said, there's parts of it where you go, this could be a PG movie. This could literally just be a PG film for everyone, for children. And then you hear quite a bit of language, but what it does not have, it doesn't have violence for one thing. It is sexless. 
No one in this movie. Oh my god! All, all of these that, characters do not fuck. That like, scene is so cringe. Towards the end, when they finally kiss, and then she's like, "Oh boy," just like wide mouth, going, "Have you ever had sex?" And he goes, "No." And then she just completely goes, "Whoa!" He says it, he <laughs> he says it like a up. fucking cone hat. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, then he follows it up with, "Yeah, and the reason why I haven't, and why I'm here, and all this stuff I'm doing is this." Yeah, what a fucking bomb to drop, dude. Yeah. Holy shit, you just come Just out say just... you've never been hard like we do. <laughs> it's, it's, oh, it's one sentence over and over and yeah. over recorded for no one to listen to or like. It's All easy. Right, so, so, so how did it do? Yeah, how did, how did this thing oh, do? I honestly didn't look. I'll look it up here in a second. What I will say, though, is back to our podcast. This also has a track with that. That has something in common. So this movie is about a guy going 30 years into the future, okay, and finding happiness and love and purpose. Sure. And our podcast is about a guy going 30 years in the past and dragging three of his idiot friends and finding just a dead end of fucking hopelessness and despair. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. kind of similar, but then there's some differences too, some little Well, some they're little like parallels. Yeah, there's right, parallels. Right. Yeah, yeah. 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 Balance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, especially now that Garrett's dead, you know, the floor can set. But yeah, things have um, finally evened out. Yeah. So one thing that I did just want to mention really quickly, because we haven't touched on it yet, the reason why no one knocks on the shelter or lets them know that hey everything is a okay when they level the house and they're about to start pouring concrete is because the fucking contractors that are digging out this the fo- the dirt for the foundation of the fucking establishment they're about to build, they find the lid of this bomb shelter elevator. They find it. They don't scar it, break it, bust it up, anything. They just scrape the top of it, and they're like, what is that? Is that a septic tank? <laughs> Not one I've ever seen. Let's leave it. No follow-up, like no the, fucking the questions. The foreman of this job is just like, well, I don't want to bust it. Let's just build the foundation over it. But you know what? That kind of tracks. Yeah. There, <laughs> there was this really weird thing that happened three years ago with some missing family on this exact plot of land that no one ever followed up on, found out, found remains of, or anything. Yeah, they. I guess they all just died in that blast. I mean, anyway, you, here's a bomb shelter lid. You, you would think that the contractors were also probably told, though, that a, cr- a plane crashed on that site. So, or anyone would fucking know about it in that nearby vicinity yeah, because so, it's a horrific accident that happened in their community. They assume not only, it's a not that, but it could have been a part of the plane. There's a, there's a party happening in the beginning where he literally is showing off his bunker. He's showing, right. yeah, he's he showing shows them the bunker. Yeah. Because like that's the like that's that's the keeping up with the Joneses thing is like, do you have a fallout shelter or do you have just a a, a, a bomb bunker? Right. Because it's two different things. One will like survive a tornado or a, a, a small blast. The other one you can live in indefinitely. He's yeah, telling his about neighbors it. even talk to the agents, the investigators, about the fact that he he has been building something in his backyard for years. Right. She brings him sandwiches while he's building it, and no one ever fucking followed up on the fact that hey, maybe he's just in the ground. Maybe he's just in the ground. What did they do when they had to dig the fucking tunnels and shit for all the water and electricity? I don't know. Whatever. Who gives a fuck? Did you notice something else in the party that like <laughs> every woman is smoking a cigarette? Do you notice that? <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I Every single woman at that party is smoking like a fucking Pall Mall. It explains why I wasn't hard. <laughs> well, I'm just I'm trying to point out that women were always disgusting, even when things were nicer. A duck. 
Look at how hard he laughed. <laughs> but it's like he I, didn't want to do it on mic. Like, I don't want to acknowledge it, but I do think it's funny. <laughs> Tell me if you heard this one. A duck walks into a bar and he says, put it on my bill. It's about as funny as when Christopher Walken does. <laughs> yeah. And the bartender says, I can't. He, the duck says, oh, why? And the bartender <laughs> says, because your bill's soft. And that's how we learned that the duck had a limp dick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll keep that in. Uh, <laughs> no, I did look up the uh, the budget for this. Um, it cost $35 million for some reason. What I'm the fuck? Not sure. Hot Dr. Pepper? I to know, build the bomb but, shelter? But probably. <laughs> they probably. built the fucking bomb shelter. I mean, the, yeah. the bomb shelter just looks like a soundstage. It, sure it is. Yes. I mean, it yeah. looks like, like a manufactured home with like... Wood it looks like a sitcom it. TV set. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't think the budget went to that they probably just went to like a studio lot and did that part i have no idea what it went to i mean maybe it's that club 40s maybe, maybe yeah, to, get, to get the right to zoot suit right <laughs> <laughs> i don't fucking know man or como but you want to guess how much it made u.s or worldwide how much it made how much it made when was this released 99 it's got to be good. She's all that busted the fucking office, right? Yeah, and this is but like, that's a teen comedy. That's a specific... This yeah, is, like this, I said, this isn't really marketed toward anyone. Okay, because really. can you tell me if it was a flop or not? Oh, yeah. Okay. I'm gonna oh, go it was a flop? Oh, it was a flop. Under oh, okay. t- I, I bet it in the U.S. it grossed under 10. No, not quite, but it's not too far I don't know, $20 off. million. Dollars. $26 million in the U.S. You want to guess wow. how much it made worldwide? How much? 40 I. You know what? Ooh. I will say about that. Compared to the other fucking movies, some of the ones that we've covered, fucking Ed and Almost Heroes, this thing made its fucking money back. It made and its budget some. back, yeah. I guess. But I mean, man. fucking good on it. I guess of course, that it, wasn't net. I mean, it, however, it must have cost to distribute it too, probably. Oh, I, oh no, yeah, you're looking at doubling like, whatever that is. So it probably, it probably, the advertisements were like, well, it, it couldn't have, it, it couldn't have done as worse as some, or, or it couldn't have done worse as some of the other shit that we've covered. No, is what no, I mean, no. I mean, we had yeah. movies that cost. Fifty million dollars and made seven. Yeah. But I mean, if if this movie had been made like in '96 after Clueless, it would have done gangbusters. And if it had, if it had been in 2000 after The Mummy, then it probably would have done incredibly well too. But I mean, these I are, don't think he makes this so? after The Mummy though. No, I, I don't I, think so this, either. The Mummy is a fun fucking movie. Yeah. I mean, I mean it turned it, it it turned him into Tom Cruise. You know, like that, for a little he, bit. It's yeah. It put him in a a bankable action place. star. Yeah, as an action. And then he star. makes fifteen fucking center to the journey of the earth and things of that ilk. So, right. Well, and it just sort of caves his career. And I mean, the guy was always working, but uh, but he also did great other like romantic comedies too. And this uh, like Bedazzled, which I think was the next year after this, right? Yeah. yeah. Like is it's right after the great. Mummy. That yeah. movie is fantastic. Yeah, Monkey Bone is great too. Ah, uh, okay. Uh, that was you, Jesse that said that. What? No, Monkey Bone is fucking not even soft, terrible. That's a Get bad. Out of, I like Monkey a, Bone. That's a bad movie. It's well, not a good movie. Right, well. well, nonetheless, this is probably going to be chalked up as one of the movies. It's not good for him either. Yeah, it's no, not one I, of the good ones. I mean, this nah. is this is not it. There is some redeemable shit about this movie. Unfortunately, it all happens on the front end, so it just gets worse the entire fucking movie. And yeah. none of it really comes back, and except for maybe a few minutes towards the end. But yeah, there's a couple of decent like running jokes in there with the cult and shit like that, and her, her drinking and the fucking bomb. <laughs> I mean, it, it is nice to see that 
this movie did not help a lot of careers of people that were involved. I mean, SpaceX fine. She she keeps doing great dramatic work all throughout the. I think the she aughts. even got nominated for a Golden Globe for this or something. Not for this, but I mean, for In the Bedroom, she gets a lot of stuff, which is like know. 2001. Um, but Fraser kind of, you know, aside from the Mummy movies, I mean, that's like his big paycheck. He doesn't really do a lot up until a certain point, but he's coming back now, and it's a shame that everyone's saying there's like a Fraser sans happening and. Meanwhile, Keanu Reeves has somehow gotten worse as an actor over the last 45 years, and people are still just praising him because he seems like a nice guy or whatever. Frazier was always a guy that was better than what he was given because you see something like Gods and Monsters with Ian McCowan. He's great in that. He's even really fucking good in Airheads. He's a good actor in Airheads. Wait, That's dude, why it's you, great that there's a there's a renaissance for him. Cause I mean, he, when, you, when you see those episodes of Scrubs that he's in, those are really, like, heartfelt moments and yeah. shit that he does. I mean, he's just a likable fucking guy. I like him a lot. I'm glad he's kind of getting, you know, his, his, it's getting his come to now. There was a big stint there where obviously he was missing, but I mean, he's just solid. He's just a good fucking actor. He can do really good work. He doesn't yeah. have to be this fucking bowler jacket no, goon. and he's good from the get-go. I mean, Encino Man, he's in that movie the same year as he's in like, School Ties. Which is, he's really fucking good in that movie, School Ties. I mean, the guy's always been, he's always been better than what he's been given. But he seems to be cast in a lot of these roles because he At least until, well, because I mean, that's, I would say, pretty good, pretty accurate in terms of his ability. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Silverstone so was, you know, I guess for a while there, she was a veritable little force with Clueless, but I don't think she really ever got past, that's where she peaks. She she's really always very it. cute, uh, but she's like, yeah, it's she's an it girl. She just kind of like yeah, her acting was never that great. But I, she's gotten a lot better over time. Like I said, after watching Reptile, she was great in that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's good, fine. good for her for like yeah. getting to a point where she's actually getting some decent work. What's crazy is is like, that girl's been around forever, and it's like she's like forty eight. I mean, she's not even that old, but she she's been not largely really. absent for like close to three decades now. So. Good for her for probably getting some work and, I don't know, being decent. And Walken's, Walken's, you know. He obviously has a long fucking resume. Yeah, a lot of stunt casting. A lot of, like, throw Walken, pepper some Walken in there. Like, a little bit of paprika can't hurt anything. And now he's in Dune 2. So, like, the guy's getting actual work and he's... He's in Dune 2? Yeah. He's one of those guys where he's in so much shit that... I mean, obviously, for some of those, he just needs a fucking paycheck. He just likes to work. He has has that same kind of like Nicolas Cage thing where it's like he's in so much stuff. I like Like, him a lot more than Nick Cage, but yeah. But but in terms of like some things are just like, eh, he's not terribly great in. You know, in a lot of those, he, yes, he's just like showing up and doing the wow he's doing that like, yeah, he's just yeah. being he's walking. walking but and then there's other movies where it's like he has no fucking business being this good in this movie right. kangaroo jack kangaroo we jack. covered that Perfect he example. has no fucking business being that good of a mob character in a movie with a cgi kangaroo in it well it's i don't i don't think stupid. anyone knew what that movie was going to be when they were making it though i think they were sort of just like let's no. make it and let's cut it later no but what i mean is that he will be as good as it calls for him to be. Yeah, you know what? You know? He, he's doing Kangaroo Jack in short form as a mob boss, and he's doing in Suicide Kings a mob boss in long form, and he's fucking incredible in that, so he probably just gave them a dose of what he had just done yeah, in he's that. he's a solid fucking actor. He's, 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 he's good. always been good. Even if he does show up and just do shit for his friends or people he knows or just to get a check, whatever, 
I mean, more power to him. Take Good your fucking him. work, man. I mean, he's, yeah. he's an elder yeah. statesman yeah. by the time this movie comes around. Like, the guy's been around since the early 70s. He's already been nominated for two Academy Awards. He's doing kind of the De Niro thing of the guy will just pop up and whatever the fuck he pleases. And like, hey, this will be a fun one for my grandkids. Yeah. And I'll be there for a week and they'll treat me like royalty and then I'll be gone and on to the next thing. I'll, I'll go to Sicily to make this shitty picture to be in two scenes. And I think the best thing about Walken too is that he seems genuine and like a decent guy. He, he seems yes. fun to... Enough people work with him often enough to where it seems like, yeah, people just like having him around. I mean, he seems like, like a cool guy he, to have. He makes this and he makes the fat boy slim video like three years later. <laughs> like, I'm glad he doesn't say no to things. Like, that's a weird proposal, isn't it? To like be in this video and it's like, what am I doing? And it's like, I'm, I'm, you're dancing in a hotel and then it becomes magical realism and you start flying. <laughs> and then of course, and it's like, the, why? Cause you're walking. And then of course the star of the movie, Sissy says, Sissy Spacek. Yeah. I mean, she is so good. She's yeah. in this, she's yeah. probably the best. Yeah. I mean, I think she's great at everything that she's in too. I mean, I can't even think of anything off the top of my head, but anything I've ever seen her in, she's always She's one of those people actress. that whenever she does pop up, you're just like, oh, she was fucking good. Yeah, she's really yeah, great. She's great. Yeah. yeah. She's a very solid actress. So and, hey, and and to be fair, she is the OG school massacre queen, so good for her. She's the one that kind of started that whole thing. So. Really? What? From what? Carrie? Oh, oh yeah. Jesus okay. Christ. Yeah. Why? Well, I, I mean, fuck. Yeah, I didn't put that together it, either. Wait, Al Pacino's yeah. in The Godfather? Where is he in that? <laughs> Mentally, my head is over <laughs> here like Kangaroo Jack, Joe <laughs> Dirt, uh, Walk-In, yeah, fucking Wedding Crashers. You know, that's where I'm totally at. Our, our idiot listeners are just nodding at everything you're saying. Like, yeah, those are all good movies. Yeah, keep going, keep going. <laughs> all right, okay, I'm listening now. Yeah, I, I just tuned in. I just tuned in. Uh, I did see something else when I was looking up the, uh, the budget and all that stuff. And so I was wrong. They aren't 89 and 94. That was a joke. Uh, when they, when Spacek and Walken were in the bunker scenes and they were sort of younger looking. Yeah. Uh, Walken was 79 and Spacek was 84. And actually the baby is played by a 29 year old Michael Shannon. Oh, okay. So, okay. Yeah. so I, I like that they okay. didn't try to de-age anyone or anything like that. They went like practical with it. Yeah. It makes sense why those two kept working together later for yeah. Kangaroo Jack. For sure. Yeah. yeah. There's the connection right there. there. Yeah, yeah. We're always finding it. All right. Well, you guys ready to move on into weird science? Sure. All I right. guess. Whatever. Change it. Are we alone? Look! Jaguar by Atari is the only video game system with 64 bits of awesome power. This irresponsible action. Oh, you're about to enter the living room of our young people. Get bit by Jaguar. Normally, you'd have to wait till September for new episodes of a hit show. I guess we just do things a little weirder around here. Weird Science, premiering Saturday. God. Okay, so I guess just quick summary. Weird Science was a 1994 TV series based off of the John Hughes movie yeah. made in, what, 85? 85, yeah. Yeah, which I had never, I'd never seen the movie either. Movie's Heard of good. It, but I'd never seen it. Yeah, Anthony Michael like Hall. It's okay. And, yeah. I watched a couple of scenes and watched the trailer for it. But the show... It's the exact same premise. You've got two guys that go on their computer and build a perfect woman who then it basically turns into like a, a I dream of genie in like the nineties. Yes. Yeah. A thousand like, percent. She's yeah, like sure. a computer program that can grant wishes, but the wishes are like, 
monkey's paw kind of yeah shit. like yes. they don't yeah they had they come with a consequence and they don't know when the wishes are gonna yeah, end. it's like a, it's like a gym yeah. they find a way to interpret the wish yes yeah. exactly she right. interprets the wishes weird and it just gets them into hijinks yeah and that's basically it yeah what didn't you like about that's it? that's a good <laughs> premise for a sh- for, for a 1994 usa yeah. up all night show and that, and that comes on after Dusk show. Man. I yeah. think yeah. it's more like the comedy of it and the way it shot, which just felt really just I mean unpleasing. Mike and I were singing the praises of Pete and Pete about how nostalgic it feels, and that is okay, shot well, and sounds like dog but shit. That, but we talked about that, and that's kind of the point, is that it's supposed to be like an unreliable narrator. It's redeeming so about like, it, yeah. That, to me, that makes sense about it. And it's not even that the production quality is bad. It's more just like the comedy is bad and would not go well today. Like, I'll give you a perfect example. In the okay. first episode no, that I don't want to be this podcast of, like, the 90s stuff doesn't work now because we're all Dude, woke. he, like, the guy, there's the older brother or whatever. Chips, like, yeah. yeah, he goes up to the... Who's they, played by Bill Paxton they're in the per- movie. They're perfect, yeah. they're perfect woman, Lisa, right? I think her name is. She turns them into women, and they go to high school, and it's supposed to be like, oh, they get the feminine perspective. They see what it's like to be oogled by the fucking boys all day. Right. And then the brother, who's the worst one, turns his Jeep around while they're like driving them, walking down the street. And he just starts catcalling them hard, like very aggressively. And then one of them snaps back at him and he says something to the effect of like, sounds like someone needs to take their might all or something. Yeah, I mean, that was was the 90s. I think that scene though was funny, not with what he says, but like how they're just casually walking down the street and you see the Jeep like, Hard cut left and like I mean, kind of run through like way three yards happen, and like, like over someone's bushes. I think that and they're just sort of like not unaffected by the whole thing. That character in particular says a lot of nasty. But shit. isn't yeah. isn't that yeah. like poking fun at that character because he cuts across three fucking I mean, yards kind of, and acts like a like, fool? It's it's almost more like it's like yeah, it's it's funny. Like isn't his sexual assault funny? Like he I, does a lot of shitty things that are like this dude should be in jail, not just like the comedy. We older just sang brother. the praises of Beavis and Butthead, which is only that stuff. Yeah. I know, but like they they get shat on all the time, though. And they kind like, of they kind of come out unscratched a lot of the time. It's I mean, these people around them that call but that's, they call yeah, the blast but that's because everyone else around them is stupid. Well, it's also that's, it's also like a very like deliberate satire, though. Right, exactly. Idiot. Like, yeah. So, like that to me makes more sense. Than, but doesn't like, that make the brother character just seem like an asshat? The brother is. The brother like, yeah, does suffer folly. The brother this ends up. This isn't a satire though. This is just like he's the comedy for their hijinks, but he's he's worse than a dickhead. He's like. You don't think that they're the comedy? I think that that character exists to be like the other end of the shit that they get into. He's really the comic relief almost. Because they're like driving the plot and stuff happens to this guy. And you could make the argument, it's like, oh, well, bad things happen to him. He gets vaporized in one of the episodes. And it's yeah. like, yeah, he gets, so, you know, he's bad things usually to him. the butt of the joke in every episode because the whole point. But, in- the, but it still always returns to the status quo and a typical. Typically, it does. Like, like Fatal Lisa, though, he tricks her into. He wishes that she would fall in love with him. And then she's basically like stalking him and love the rest of the episode. Right. And then at the end of it, they both kind of realize like, I don't want you to want to have sex with me though, because I tricked you. I actually realized like right when I have the opportunity to do it, which is the whole reason we invented you was because I want to, I want to do it because you want to not because 
I told you to, or you're like, you're my captive in some way. Right. So it is teaching like good values. But what I, yes, I'll put it to you this way. I think it has less to do with a weird science thing and more to do with a 90s sitcom thing because I watched a couple of episodes of Malcolm in the Middle right after watching this just to I, jack I, off. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I just needed to know if it was like a 90s thing or the show, and it definitely is a 90s thing. There is stuff that happens for the sake of comedy in a lot of these shows that today would just be like, this is criminal. Well, <laughs> like Malcolm in the Middle is centered around children. Yeah. On Fox in the 90s, and this show came like on very, USA Up All Night the very first episode, after like, Duckman. In the very first episode, Lois, it, the, the kid's mom in the show, is like Has doing laundry. Face. She's like doing laundry, and they're watching TV or something, and Malcolm's teacher comes to the door, and because she's busy juggling doing stuff for all the kids, she answers the door completely topless. And the teacher's just like, oh my gosh. And it's supposed to be funny. But and whoever like, was there turned gay. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's like, this is like, hmm. All right. I That's don't know. not dangerous just though. Like, it just wait, shows wait, that yeah, she's what is like. The, what is the ha- danger? Yeah. That she's I mean, just a how- harebrained mother who's, who's juggling 19 different, spinning 19 different plates at once and accidentally walks through the door naked. This show was made for 13 to 19 year old boys that had cable because they cast Vanessa Angel as the genie. The sexual, which I get, I get, it's that's entirely what drives it. It's just that's like it. The, it's getting hard yeah. watching this shit on Saturday night after Duckman up all night with Gilbert Gottfried and Rhonda hosting, and looking at undeniably, indisputably one of the hottest people to ever fucking walk the earth, Vanessa Angel. It does not work without her. She's the sex appeal, and she's sort of like the master of all, being the genie character on this show. Right. I don't know. You, I, I actually, I mean, not to disparage. I, I, think, I think Wyatt's kind of sexy. <laughs> yeah, not not to disparage her uh, input into the show at all, or why you would watch it. Yeah. But I actually thought the show was kind of like still. It was kind of funny. Like in a it's sense, it's funny, of, but it's something that, like like it's a sex comedy about fifteen year olds. Well, like, I th- I think it has so the was same American Pie. I I have I think it has the same energy to me as what it means to be like a little brother. That's that's the type of energy that I get from this. Like just young boys just being like, "Oh, well, I mean, like if my dick does get hard, like what do I do with that? What do I do? It's so hard. Oh my god." And these are totally like, characters to wear. Even yes, if they had a naked woman, they would be too scared to do anything. They don't anything. know what to do with it. Yeah. Sure, which they which they do do that. They, they do yeah, show they that. Do, right. They do show like, that. Even if this came right. and sat right in your lap, they would get up and just walk away and be like, right. oh my God, can you believe that happened? Yeah. They wouldn't know what to but do. I, think it has I can't believe I, I just had has, sex. I think it has less to do with that and more to do with like the older brother walking up to a 15-year-old girl and going like, listen, she's nothing to me. You're the one that has an ass like a French model. And it's like, this is, this is a 15-year-old I mean, that to me is not any worse to. than fucking... Uh, Paul Walker saying, look at the bobos on late. I mean, it's no different than any of the she's all that bullshit. I guess. I mean, it's, uh, it's just. He's clearly supposed to be older, though. And maybe it's just because they're definitely all in their fucking mid to late 20s. But they all and, are. And all those rom-com teen dramas. You know ladies. what's funny, though? Is you're saying all this shit. The only thing that's really sexualized ever on the show is those guys are in high school and the genie is a 30-year-old woman. You're yeah. not bringing that shit up yeah, at no, all. No, but no, but that, that was the next point that I was going to make. And the only like, one making lip contact. And one of the episodes, the one where she falls and they get her to fall yeah. in love with one of them, and then she follows them to school, and they have to yeah. go to the principal's office. The principal says something to the effect of like, "Listen, 
and you have a relationship with each other. You know, we can't have citizens fraternizing like have like in the school with the students. Doesn't mention anything about the fact that like you two clearly have a relationship, and she is way older than She's you. Thirty three. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't say anything about that. It's like that's fine. Just you can't bring it here. Okay, you yeah. can't bring it here to school. <laughs> I get. I guess I don't really. Fuck. I, I mean, I know that some of the jokes and stuff, like, obviously don't age well, but, like, a I lot think of shit to, does I think that, to right? me it's just, like, it, it skirts a weird line because they're supposed to be, like, 15-year-old kids. If they were in college, this would be, like, sure, whatever. So what about Pete and Pete, I, where all the neighborhood kids hang out with a insane special needs guy who has a bulge in his pants? <laughs> like, he's fucking— Bigger than most kids' heads. He just stole an English cucumber from, like, a supermarket. What about that? It's because it's not a gross girl, Mike. It's not a— <laughs> Gross girl. Thing is, like we go back to this stuff because there was a time where like there's just some there's some innate innocence to this. Don't read into it. But too that's much. what that is. That's this show is the opposite of that. It is literally supposed to be like we are totally driven just by sex. Like this is we talk yes. about. When you're a thirteen year old boy, you are. That is that's what it's made for. Your life. You're sitting there thinking you're in math class and you're like, "Fuck, my teacher's kind of hot, dude." When she wears that skirt with those leggings, like, which is, I can well, fuck that up, dude. Just which is weird that he does that. that <laughs> yeah, that's that's exactly what you're doing. When no, you're I'm saying thirteen. I, I know. I like. I just. I'm just saying. It's a formula for the that most works. part. It's fine. It, yeah, it's a tried to formula. I think it's just the premise itself. Skirts a it skirts a weird line sometimes, particularly with the older brother. I th- I think some weird shit. I think the show really resonates a lot with the little brother energy that I I feel yeah, watching it. Okay, and I think Mike can also identify with that because he too has pushed a teddy bear's legs together. To allegedly, <laughs> allegedly. <laughs> To feel if it do feel good. Yeah, if you want to hear more about me fucking my teddy bear when I was a child, uh, go to Patreon. 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 <laughs> okay, hey, all right. Then we really did have that. It's like an hour long. It's really so, short. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I, I, other than that, other than the fact that the entire show is basically sexually charged boyhood shit, I will say. That for a TV show for the 90s, especially... Early 90s. Early 90s. Also, one special mention to the blast from the past, the CGI in that with the plane crash and everything. Oh, that explosion looks incredible. I think James Cameron came in for that day and shot that. (laughs) Yeah. Unbelievable. So practical. The the special effects in this show actually aren't terrible. They're pretty decent, especially given the time. And I think it's nice to see a, like... Not it. It's it's not as fantastical for, and exaggerated. For a channel that ran Renegade, There's, Highlander, and the Shawshank Redemption on fucking repeat for the better part of a decade. Yeah, I was that really was impressed by one part where it's the he says, you know, you can't. It's when Lisa's falling in love with him and he's trying to keep him away from the other guy, and he says, like, all right, you can't kiss him, but you can blow him a kiss. And so she blows him a kiss from across the room, and there's the CGI like. Lipstick prints. Yeah, that that flies across the room, and they actually shoot it and have the camera like pan over and have this thing fly across the room. Which, like, yeah, that was actually like, wow, for a 1994 TV show. TV show, I think, is the like, yeah, TV show. Movie, ah, whatever. Saturday night at like 9 30 at night. Right. This is something that was like basically you watch right before Saturday Night Live came on. Yeah, we're seeing effects that are 
decent and look pretty good compared, even compared to shit like Event Horizon CGI shit that they pulled in that movie. Like, right, really yeah. dude. Like, there's some decent is, stuff. Here. It was grossly better but than everything in Ed. That's kind of right. the whole thing. Is like, if you don't have a budget, then what do you do? And it's like, find the most attractive human being on the planet and put them on your fucking show because they're bankable because they're not they're not a name. I mean, and it, they're not as far like, as worth it anything. being a sexually charged comedy, I think. For the 90s, a lot of what the show's trying to say, and that like there are these dumb 13 year olds that only know how to think with their dicks, and then they bring this woman in and doing all these weird wishes that go awry that are but occasionally all driven. get a heartfelt moment. Well, right, it's it. it's supposed to be teaching them like the yeah. the, the first one we watched the the feminine mystique or whatever where they get turned into women and they yeah. see what it's like to be a woman is a perfect example because that's really what the show is all about is teaching them how to actually act with the, women. The moral by the they, end of that is 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 just don't use a line. Just talk to them like human beings. Yeah, That's how they want to be talked to. Right. And of course, there's one more hygiene. But it's all end. about, it's it's really just all about that is them navigating like, okay, so like you having all this like sexual feelings, but at the same time, like these are real people. It's a coming like, of age like, show. Yeah, it's, it's not good, exactly. sexually like, charged. And that's, that's what, I mean, we all went through that. We all know what right. it's like to so go through get that. And, and see, like, be talking to your friends, and they're like, dude, you just got to say this to her. You just got to say this to her, and, like, she'll be in, dude. She'll be interested. She's done. Like, what did you say and this then, aired on? USA. On yeah. USA. USA Up All Night. Which Did like, you ever watch USA Up All Night? No. But so what what it was was basically I don't know if I don't think TV does this anymore but it was it was like an event it was fun it would it would come on and on the commercials you would have either Gilbert Gottfried or a lady named Rhonda who was like this big blonde bouffant big titty you know face like shotgun blast of makeup on her and she would talk about the show and she would talk about whatever else but like it would be an all night event. It would go on for hours and hours and hours until like two a.m. with them sort of doing the segue. <laughs> Gilbert Gottfried like just introducing shows. Yeah, it's like a hosted TV shows right. type thing. Like it's okay. the same shit that you saw a lot on Nickelodeon or, or sure. Joe like Bob that. Briggs with Monster maybe Vision. It's yeah. like just for being, like, you know, yeah, this is a cable show, right? So like. It was an event, man. Like on Friday the thirteenth, they would only show. Maybe it's because it's movies. a cable show, but I think it's just more. It mostly just surprises me, like some of the dialogue for being just like a television. Yeah, show. it's the actual I, thought processes of thirteen-year-old boys instead of the like the gratuity. romantic idea of well, being a I young think boy and like, like boy meets I world. I get or the something. premise. I get what it's trying to say. So let me I, ask you. Let me I, ask you it's this: like, It's more just like some of what they say feels so yeah, like right. Wow, I can't believe they oh, said that. How accurate. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Let me ask you this then. So on the other side of that, because this is fairly innocuous and safe. I mean, this is like, it's almost like it's written by 13-year-olds, but it's censored for 13-year-olds too. And that like, you're not going to hear anything that crazy. There's no language in it. There's no nudity or anything. There's really no allusion to any sex. There's, there's even at one point in the show a flat-out discussion about how I will not show nudity to you. Right. Like, that's it. part of the clause I mean, that's right. of making When she's it. waiting in the bedroom for him, like, all, you know, up in the lingerie, yeah. and then the brother comes in and yells for his mom to come in, and he's like, look, he got a hooker. First of all, I think <laughs> and then Chet he walks is like, and he's like, how like much 18. are you? He's like 18 or 19. He's not like a 40-year-old man or anything. He's barely past their age. This is during a time where, like, yeah, sure. statutory was sort of like a gray area of, like, it's not really statutory if it's one year difference or something. And it's in college. Not, that's not even the worst part. It's just that some of what he says is just so, like, aggressively. So let me ask you this. American Pie comes out in 99, five years later, right? This, sure. And one year after this show ends, 
working with this formula. American Pie and a very R-rated. How many movie, seasons does the show have? Four shows or four seasons. Wow. Okay. They they finished filming them in '97, but then they aired six more in '98, way after uh, it had wrapped up, just to sort of get one more half season out. But it was basically wrapped up in '97. Production was. But anyways. 99 American Pie comes out, an R-rated movie. They shoot that shit for fuck $8 million or whatever it was. It was, it was like a no-budget movie. But you know there's going to be high schooler tits in it. It's a high school movie about sex. There's going to be tits in there somewhere. They literally advertise like Shannon Elizabeth is going to be definitely be the one who's naked in it. They sort of hint at it in the trailer. So are you more okay with an R-rated movie, which teenagers shouldn't be able to get in there without their parents, making fucking $160 million or whatever that movie made. So clearly someone went to go see it because there are going to be high schooler played by a 26-year-old woman's tits in it. None of these people are high schoolers in this show. They're all in their early 20s. And I think Vanessa sure. is like 28. So these are all adults. I mean, just based on child labor laws and getting production done, especially on a TV schedule. No, I see what you're saying and you're totally right. I think it's just... I think what surprises me the most is just how aggressive some of the language is. Is it? For a TV show. I feel like that's exactly why I like it more than the more like daytime Nickelodeon sitcom boy shows. Like the Disney Channel version of this is what I don't like as much. I I mean, I'm not saying that like, oh, I think that's infinitely better of a show. I'm just saying it surprises me. This is the first fucking time I've ever seen this show. I didn't grow up watching it or anything. I wish I had because this seems much more in line with shit that I would have liked, cartoons that I would have liked, and aligned with that a lot more because I like the more crude humor. I fucking, you know, Dude, I started I mean, watching I generally South Park do, and I mean, shit I generally I was, do too, but to me, it's like some of it feels like it goes beyond crude and just being like, not violent, but like borderline like assault. I guess and I don't... Just like, I, it doesn't seem any worse to me than Happy like something. <laughs> yeah, then then so, yeah, Jesus. Yeah, then something I would have seen in like South Park or um, Beavis and Butthead or Ren and Stimpy. Of course, even. those are all yeah like satires though, and that makes it puts a totally different lens on it. Right, and this is what it's actually like to be a thirteen-year-old boy and imagine like, God, why does it feel so good to rub my fucking dick through my jeans? I mean, yeah, it, yeah, it literally opens up with them showing them making a woman from a computer because I guess hacking was like the big thing back then before the internet. Like, yeah. oh, what's hacking? Like, oh, it's like a, it's or like just a mystical computers, dark Like art. nobody understands how computer sure. works. So you can, so you can like, create yeah. any platform or any story. At that point, want. it's sci-fi. It doesn't matter. Right. You're explaining it away. So they're showing sure. it like, what would you do if you were a 13 or 14 year old boy with make a, with a hot girlfriend? Make, yeah, make hot yeah. girl that you can wish things from. Like you watch it for her. You, like, you don't watch I Dream of Jeannie for the husband. You don't give a fuck about him. You don't watch Bewitched because of that goofus that 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 dumb shit she's with the astronaut guy who cares about that i know he is the folly of the show so she is always in control and even though you do see a lot of cleavage and stuff she is 1000 percent in control at all times. and she is the one delivering these monkey's paw type right dealings she's never in any danger of anything she think chet the guy portrayed by bill paxton in 85 that guy is gonna like somehow commit assault on her no <laughs> Zero. No, everyone is living in her world. You watch the show for her. So I no, I don't I feel like if there's a lens on anything and it's showing it in a bad light, it is on, yeah, masculinity and men and all that. But typically the lead characters learn some kind of lesson. It's about like you can be friends with a girl no matter how hot she is. In fact, you may benefit more from it. I think it's I think it just what got to me watching it was how 
Yeah, it's it. It's not that the characters are bad characters or that they don't learn a valuable lesson. It's or just that, that the boys have no business looking that good. It's. <laughs> <laughs> Go it, it, I think it was more just that, like, because it is from you know their perspective, and it's you know they're always at the center of it. All of the girls in the show literally just exist to be there to like be the object, and then half the time someone is going up to them saying something incredibly sexually aggressive and then they just kind of like he and like walk off and you know like, what i think, I, I, think right. I switch sides I, I think he's right because i mean our show doesn't do anything like that this is one of the least <laughs> toxic shows I mean, we, we have lots of female guests uh, on um, you know. we, we kind of nailed blast from the past for the female lead in that movie being nothing other than an object and a conduit yeah, for no him agency, to learn from. So. Yeah, having no agency. Yeah. But and and this show really does a lot of the same shit for the side characters. I would but say I would the say, females are stronger than would, the guys. Well, well yeah. I would say for for the genie aspect, yes, absolutely. She is in full control. But then it's also like you just said, she's also you watch the show for her. She also really is just there to be the object for the audience too. Yeah, man. I mean, yeah, I, that's because the, the audience is thirteen like, year old boys. And even I if mean, you're yeah. a girl, then you've got like that's a bad bitch character. Like she kind of runs the whole situation. She here. scares them at points, like uh, <laughs> until you know. they are manipulating her her and to making them love her but love them in that one episode but she manipulates them for four seasons into like learning a hard I mean, lesson. yeah it's a it's a back and forth i'm just saying it's it's more it's less about her though and more about the other characters in the show i'm just and saying it's okay because they sexually harass each other yes i mean they're <laughs> fine no, it, it, that's a it's a computer program whatever I feel like we could run it's an like, entire podcast just trying to find toxic masculinity and everything from 30 years ago if we really wanted to <laughs> i mean it'd be like but i mean yes you're right it's like you're gonna find this in everything it's a different everything yeah. it's like I'm, I'm not trying to just put this and say like oh this is no good because you know there's some right there's some language in it that's aggressive i'm just i think all i'm saying is that some of it actually surprised me yeah. like how how aggressive it was that's fair to say sure. I, yeah. and, and to that i would say despite all the sci-fi elements to it this is my preferred type of content that i would have wanted to see when i was a young guy dude i, I, I yes, would have wanted absolutely. to see something more sure crass, yeah more when crude. you're 13 it's yeah. like you say you were like oh my god she's so gorgeous like yes i'm gonna watch this show hitting like, jump going yeah. from this and duck man and whatever was going on in USA Up All Night to Snick. And parts of it and are forth, and parts and of it are really funny. And he said that energy, I think it captures that well. It's it's exactly what it felt like to be a thirteen year old boy. It's it's sure. more so it's more realistic despite the whole fucking magical elements to the show to me than something like Saved by the Bell. Because that wasn't my childhood experience. No. Sure. That wasn't it. My childhood experience was us sitting around and wishing like Man, I really, I really do wish that I was like four years older, because then, like, for sure, I could get a girlfriend for sure, and she'd show me her tits. Like, that's that's the shit you were. Talking I mean, yeah, when you're right. that age, you're like, dude, one day I'm gonna have a job where I make twenty five thousand dollars a year and I finger a girl. Like, that, those <laughs> yeah. are literally like like your mountaintops in the when back you're that of my age. mom's car. Yeah, while Any, she's anything. driving. Yeah, <laughs> anything. That, that's what your goals are. Like, that is Mount Everest for you Wait, at that I'm going to have my own car to make out in. Yeah. We can go anywhere. And, and that this show speaks to that a lot more. Yes. And, and this show was so perfectly poised as, like, this comes on Saturday nights if you have cable, which in my case was at my dad's house only. So you may catch it, you may not. 
But it was just every now and then, 8.30, 9.30 at night, whatever the fuck it was, maybe even 10.30, I don't really remember, but it's going to be part of like kind of a block of programming. And it was for like, I'm staying up late, it's the weekend, and yeah, I get I get a hard-on with the change of the fucking wind. Anything. And then yes. there's a woman, I went back and saw this this morning I mean, this might night. as well be like Skin and Max for 12, 13-year-olds. Like, I mean, that's yeah, almost kind of like what it's what trying it to be, right? Like, right. Yeah, I get it. Like, and and it's like you, you say, just don't like, like girls when you're 12, 13. It's like, yeah, that's going to be your go-to show. You're like, yes, I'm going to watch. This that. is what like, you watched if you had cable but didn't have HBO and Cinemax, right? I mean, think about Vanessa Angel. We haven't really talked about her a lot, but the only other big thing she really does, even though she's always worked, is Kingpin with Woody Harrelson right. and Bill Murray and all that, and Randy Quaid. And what is her role in that movie? She plays like a strong woman that's like breaking out of a bad toxic relationship, but she uses her sexuality and she weaponizes it to distract people as part of like a con artistry team during bowling tournaments. Like she's always been good at that. She's always been good at playing like, no, she's a solid, like very headstrong sort of, you know, like has in some control uh, in, and wits yeah. about her woman. I know how to weaponize this. Yes. Versus playing like a dunce because they could have programmed her as a ditz. And I think that's so important to the formula of the show is one guy is all hornball and the other guy is like all sentiment and kind of heart and, and brains. Sure. So it's an equal dose from each of those guys into her character. I mean, I, I think, think they even, with it. I, I think I read something about an episode where they actually split her into two different Lisas yeah. Yeah. because of that. Like they turn one of them into just party girl Lisa, and another one is like she's the upstanding, you know, citizen. Refined version. Yeah, refined and version. I don't think she's a good actress, but I think that she clearly has to be up for. Almost I think she anything. was fine. I mean, I really thought she was fine as an actress. Well, she so slips into like, like five okay. different accents. She is like, is she from Jersey or is she from? Great Britain. I can't really tell what she's doing there, but something kind of crept through. I but never really heard the English accent. For her yeah. role, though, she has to be up for anything based on what the plot of that particular episode is. So I yeah, yeah. She's just fine with it. Yeah, but she overall, does. it's a I mean, it's, it's a fun show, and it, it has more it has more posterity than silly I premise it made for thirteen year old boys. Yeah, like I me. Think, I think I, I think it's just being so far from removed from the nineties now. Sometimes I hear shit in the show. I'm like, I can't believe they said that. <laughs> Anyway, is that it? <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, yeah, I was just like, let's, let's just end on the, him saying it one more time. All right. Uh, that's all I got. Change it. Dunkaroos is the cookie you drunk for as much frosting as you want. So how do you do your Dunkaroos? It's super duper deep dunk. Mm. Yeah. Long distance. Thank you, Dunk. You just think about like time loss and the things you didn't get to say. And um, I don't know. I just had so many things left. I wanted, I wanted to say to him so many cruel things about his weight and the way he looked and the way he was and is forever in our hearts. And that fucking whale blubber sucking seal club and meth smoking this igloo building son of a bitch took that from us from all of us and it just fucking hurts it's not fair we'll get over it i am over it. all right i'm over it you know this is normally the segment where garrett would dicks for fingers his way through a fucking shitty song from the 90s but 
I don't guess we can really do that. So we could either barbershop quartet it or um, just have a moment of silence. I don't know. I don't really know how to fill the void here. I don't know. I normally don't talk in this segment, so. You just do what you normally do. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Sounds right. Guys. Wait, what, Hello. Is, what is that? What am I hearing? I don't know. Where it am feels I? Like my dad just got more disappointed. It's dark and there's a lot of loud, unbearable noises. Do you guys smell pizza? I think I'm still on the show. It might just be me, but I feel like there's a big floating soft fat sack of shit nearby. <laughs> Does it get louder in here? No, definitely not. <laughs> Maybe playing a harp now, but he sure is shit not playing the guitar any better. <laughs> those big fingers, man. Every guitar has one string when you're him. It's a bird, it's a fat, it's Garrett. <laughs> Larger than a single building. <laughs> from the ethereal pickings of Ghost Garrett, but we are covering Third Eye Blind's Semi-Charmed Life to release in 1997 from their debut album, Third Eye Blind. Are you guys Third Eye Blind fans? <clears throat> this is another one of those, like this is the song that this everyone version? knew. <laughs> Everybody knew this song. This is another one that topped the charts in the 90s. Right. I... I do I do like this song, but I like that it is used almost exclusively incorrectly. Yeah. Like good. It, you it understand. Is, yeah. Yeah. It is it is a song that falls victim to the fact that it sounds upbeat, it sounds happy, it sounds fun, it sounds like something that you would throw in the middle of a montage sequence for an Adam Sandler movie. Which they do. And yeah. it's not that fucking song. This is a no. song about dependency and addiction, and it is not... Blowjobs and crystal meth. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yes, yeah. this is not a fucking song that's supposed to be about, you know, I just want to branch out. I just want to see different options. I just want to see what life has in store yeah, for me. This is about having a fucking problem and not being able to get out of a vicious cycle. But right. it's... Doo -doo, doo -doo, do do I want something else? Yeah, this is yeah. used on. This is used during a Jackie Chan trailer and uh, Jackie Chan's first strike, or Mister Nice Guy, or whatever it was. It's like <laughs> this is not that song, but I'm I'm so glad you got it because I, I didn't want to spend the whole conversation talking about it. that's what it actually is because yeah. this is the same. This is the same font as what I was talking about with Soul Asylum Misery. Of yeah, this is something that's packaged as this, and it does sound like that. But it actually has way darker, more fuck you intentions. And that, yeah, this is a song about crystal meth addiction and like a toxic relationship where the, the, the sex was hot, but it was all dependent upon you both being drug addicts, basically. Yeah. And, yeah. and the difference here is that they do this well. 
Yeah. Uh, and what I disliked Soul Asylum for, for feeling right. like it's very on the nose very, and yeah. just saying it explicitly, this couches it in hiding a dark element well, and I think you could objectively say that they succeed in doing that because of how often this fucking song is used and played everywhere in moments where that's not what this is about. That's no. not, that doesn't make sense for this moment. I'm sure they don't give a fuck you're licensing their song no. and paying them a no. lot of money for it. No. That's no. great. The- I, use it in whatever fucking Honda commercial you want. Right. But are this- you not listening to the lyrics? Yeah, are like- you not listening to, like, this is not. Yeah, this, that, that was me, because I have heard this song everywhere forever, but I've never thought about it. I never paid attention to it. I just knew it as the, oh, it's the do-do-do, do-do-do-do. Speak, speaking of which, song. do you know what the do-do-do thing is? No. Like, what that's sort of secretly coding? It's, what other song begins with do-do-do-do-do? Lou Reed's Take a Walk on the Wild Side, right? I did see something about that, yeah. Right, which Lou Reed sings a song called Heroin, Right. right? Lou Reed was like an infamous drug addict in the 60s and 70s. And I think even through partial, like part of the 80s. I mean, they in an interview said something about this basically being like a follow-up to that song. Right. right? Yeah, that's yeah. what this is supposed about, to be. About like the craziness around you and sort of like this sounds so upbeat and nice and sort of like melodic when really. Because it's supposed to capture like the feeling of being high. Right. But it's, yeah, yeah, horrible. Right. It's, so, yeah. It, it, throughout the entire song, he's talking about taking bumps and feeling great it's feeling awesome yeah. but yeah he he doesn't want to be in this situation but he can't escape it no it's, it's, a, it's all reminiscence song. like yeah. how do we get back there basically yeah. like he keeps saying it over and over of like when, we, when this first started we were so like spring fresh and like this felt good and felt right we felt alive and now it's like now there's a hole bad. in my face yeah, 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 this is yeah. bad. Until I watched this music video, I'd never really listened to it. But mm-hmm. then after watching, because so much of it is just on him doing the lyrics, and realized like, holy shit, these lyrics are dark. They're yeah, dirty. Dark it is, yeah. and that's that's yeah. that's why I like the song. Um, I I don't. This isn't one of those things where like it's a nostalgic thing for me because I, uh, you know, I when this song came out, I was way too young to interpret it in any sort of way. It's now I. I see it and recognize it, and I think it's ironic, you know, in in the way that yeah. it is used and how everyone latches on to. You can really make a fucking song about anything as long as the beat seems happy. They're just gonna throw it with whatever fucking happy color filter that they've got for this movie segment. It doesn't right. matter. Do you think it also works because the lead singer? Stephen Jenkins, which it's not Stephen Jenkins. It's the most punchable name of all time. Stephen Jenkins, <laughs> a guy born in California. He is so deeply, it sounds like he has too many teeth in his mouth and he also has a thick California accent. So when he's singing quickly, it's hard to kind of make out what he's saying and also the tempo yeah. of it. I think yeah. it sort of codes a thing because I've heard this shit played like at Kroger before. Yeah. And it's like... The, My wife you, knows all the lyrics. She was singing it earlier. I was like, I can't believe you know all this. While people are doing meth in the break room. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but it's one of those things where like, if you listen, we watched the one I linked you guys to is the radio edit version, which the only thing they <clears throat> censor out is when he says crystal meth. It sort of warps the sound. And it's like, I don't think him saying crystal meth is the bad part of this. He's talking about... But I guess it's one of those things like, well, like that's very deliberate. You can't explicitly yeah. state right. it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. There's the no, there's no it hiding is... it. It's just like, yeah, in TV and everything, like everything that's disguised under subtext. It's like, right. it'd be, yeah, it's just, and this is like, yeah, the song is a perfect example of like you're saying, 
as long as it has a certain tone, no one gives a shit. You can yeah, literally as long as it's anything. a guy taking yeah. off his blazer and putting on a Hawaiian shirt, it doesn't fucking matter because that's what the song represents in that moment. It doesn't matter. You, you, you could go your entire life and just knowing that, oh, yes, yeah, a do-do-do song. Right. That, right. That, that's that's and, it. At worst, no, you may go like, wait, wait what, what is that? What, what did he just say? What does that mean? Yeah. I mean? The first lines are, I'm packed and I'm holding. Yeah. And it's I'm about a chick. I'm holding. Come, yeah. It means I have drugs and this chick comes around because I have drugs and she, she sucks my die. dick. And I, we get high afterwards, and it's like well, that doesn't. That's not really girlfriend material. That sounds kind of, kind of like it's. Uh, yeah, it's a toxic relationship yeah. Yeah. for two people that are have a huge amount of dependency. Sounds issues. very situational. Yeah, it's not true love or anything. Yeah, this is a very kind of sad, despondent song in a lot of ways. It is, and it's very funny that it is used in places like uh, the Winnie the Pooh movie. Yeah, uh, because. And if you try to find this, by the way, if you try to find like this song playing, my girlfriend actually is the one who pointed out, uh, pointed this out to me, um, that it plays in this fucking song. It's a song about a fucking cartoon bear who routinely gets his hands stuck in a fucking honey jar or some shit. And it's playing a song about fucking meth addiction. <laughs> like, but, but if you try to hunt this shit down, it's like, where the fuck is this? Because you know it exists. You know it's there. Just like it's there in the middle of the fucking department stores everywhere, right? Right. It's, Wait, it's, which fucking Winnie the Pooh movie is? And, I, and I, will, I will say, too, I think the reason why it gets picked up so much is not just because it sounds happy and upbeat, but... It's still a pretty simple song. Like, there's not a whole lot of, like, changes in, like, the speed. There's really only two where it happens. Like, the tempo and everything. Well, there's a lull where the... Yeah, right, 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 right. Get back there somewhere back there. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's not really a whole lot. It kind of plays that same formula throughout the entire thing. And it's very predictable. And you had mentioned, you know, when he starts singing kind of fast, almost rapping a little bit. It is hard to say here what the fuck he's saying. It, yeah. it almost feels like Kurt Cobain style bullshit. Little, little like, marble mouth. Yeah. yeah, I have no idea what, what the fuck baby he's doing. Yeah. Exactly what Jesse's like, doing right what? now. That you know that you can just go, and it doesn't fucking matter. Like that, you know that that's the bopping jazz fusion style. Yeah, yeah. Fucking Lou Bega could have come in the middle of there and like, ladies and gentlemen, a little bit of blowjob in my life, a little bit of crystal meth on your thighs. Yeah, I do have some 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 things that Jenkins said about it. It's kind of just reiterating what we just said, but. He's been quoted as saying the meaning of the song is about falling apart and the drug-induced high that makes everything fleetingly better. Think that, if anything, he was more dismayed that more people didn't catch on sooner and that people were trying to license the song to Mm -hmm. Acura commercials or whatever the fuck it was. And it's like, are you not hearing what I'm saying? So so he was kind of... Upset about that, then I don't think he's upset uh, because it made it, he's cash and fucking checks. I mean, I don't yeah, think he's upset. Like, but you know, what's crazy is is that what um, other third eye blind song do you fucking know? I'm J- sure Jump that ninety five. I wish least. you would step back. Oh, okay, okay, okay. All right, they, yeah, they have a that. lot of hits yeah, actually, okay. and I was gonna say like that album. I fucking got that album. I'm sure when I was thirteen for Jumper and Semi Charmed Life. And I ended up, I fucking scammed Columbia House or BMG or whatever it was. It was one of those CDs. And I ended up listening to the whole thing. That CD, no joke, 
is fucking killer, and that excludes Semi Charmed Life and Jumper. I'm talking all the other tracks on that album. Are That's good to hear. Fucking solid. Yeah. Not only that, their next album, Blue, just as good. And I even checked in like during COVID. I was like, I need new fucking new music. I need something to listen to because I was working like overnight weird hours. And it's like, mm-hmm. I need new music. I need something to like invigorate me. I remember checking in with Third Eye Blind. They had released something in like 2019. And I'm thinking, this cannot be good. This is going to be bad. Fucking good. Really, really good. They they are a better band than the singles they had released for them in the 90s. That's wow. kind of that's surprising. It's almost like the... Uh, not not grunge music. It, I you know it's not grunge music. No, no not at all. It's late nineties music. Yeah, it's it's definitely that like that late nineties fair. But it seems to me like their band as a whole, they are the what would have happened with Nirvana if they didn't lose Kurt. Like if everyone had stuck around and kept making music. You could still pump out decent stuff. Well, I, th- I think the for- main thing in what you're saying is is that these guys they are musicians first. The songs are actually really well orchestrated, all of them. Like if you listen to any of sure. their songs, it's like no, the music is it's very well done. It's not like that it was an afterthought. It's not like it feels too um, it feels too uh, studio industrialized or anything like yeah. that. It doesn't it doesn't feel like too produced. It feels like no, it's people also, playing instruments. Also, by the way, I don't mean that they are as popular as Nirvana or in in any sort of way like similar genre or of music or, or deliverable. I mean that this in this song in particular, identifying an association with drugs oh, I got you. heavily, right? And still managing to make it out and come back. Yeah, and and keep churning out music and not fall victim to some pitfalls for being a successful musician. I don't know how much of this is true or like autobiographical of, of Stephen James, but I was also going to say this also works with the, the the craftsmanship of the band, and that these guys are in their early thirties. These are not. This is not a band in their twenties. I think right. when this album comes not out, kids. No, he's like thirty three here. I mean, this is where they started and got big, and then they just, he's still making music. They're still putting, I mean, he's almost 60 years old now. I saw them live, and I am not a live music guy, but they came to where we live one time, and I thought, yeah, fuck it, why not? It was a killer show, and they knew what the hits were because they played the whole album. They played this first album big time. Like, they're not a band that's afraid to look back and go, this is what people want to hear. And not only that, but that album... I've come across people over the decades where I kind of thought like, I don't think anyone likes this album. And it's like, if you know, you know, because I've met people whose like girlfriends go, Oh my God. Yeah. Like I love this album, not this song or this song or this song. You either know the singles or you know the album. And I'm telling you they're fucking killer versus Nirvana where like, no, the singles released are the good ones. Like those are the best ones. There's tons of other good music or Smashing Pumpkins where like there's a lot of music but the singles are really kind of where it's at yeah this is yeah. a band that works better if you listen to the album like on your way home today you should even just put it on and just give it a shot because it's kind of shockingly good okay I mean that's all fine and good and everything but you know I think we should address the elephant in the room which is the the lyrics that sexually objectify oh, women. <laughs> oh Jesus aware uh, uh, Jesse is here Damn it. Jesus Wait, me and Dalton are the sleepy boys over here and Jesse is woke as fuck man fucking kidding uh, I will say that we are right, we, we talked about the album then we were talking about Jumper the intentionality behind Jumper oh yeah in, in that people were being so you know investigatory about Jumper and yet this is the song that gets played a shitload 
and they don't even take a fucking <laughs> second to realize the fact that this is not an upbeat fun song. This yeah, exactly. A, it's, exactly. I mean, yes, it is unbeat, but upbeat, but it's a song about fucking crippling addiction and how you cannot escape it. This song, this song is like the song that comes on at a bar or a party or a barcade or whatever. And every like 35 to 40 year old girl that grew up in the 90s is like, oh, my God, bitch, this is my song. This is like Mustang Sally for boomer women. <laughs> it's like, oh the God. three women with martinis in their hand going. And you just look at whoever you're with and like, I think we can just go ahead and go now. Like <laughs> they haven't brought out the entrees. You're like, it's fine. It's good. We can just go. You leave $20 on the table and leave so you don't have to fucking hear the rest of it. Yeah, uh, he said uh, the song's dark lyrics were meant to be uh, in contrast to the bright, shiny musicality. He added an interview with Reverb. When I wrote Semi-Charmed Life, the guitar riff was intended to have this shiny thing because that was the feeling of speed. He said, you know, it's sort of a bright, shiny drug, and we were all sort of into hip-hop, and so it has a hip-hop flow all over it. Yeah, so what you, what you were saying is, is a thousand percent right. Right, where he kind of... Raps almost. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I, I think you were right on the money with that. Um, but yeah, I I think it's a great little song. Um, I do too. I, I like never would have realized it was so deep and thought out and yeah, even musically like thinking about. Well, I know, think it's because it's of the simplicity behind what the chorus is, right? You hear the do 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 do. Yeah, and you're you like, say it's what, a what, what could this song be about other than? Yeah, I just uh, having a good fucking day, you know. Like I'm whatever. just ready to go see another town. Yeah, yeah. just, just, just shit California like that. is getting it's boring. A, it doesn't sound as whiny and sad as like Smashing Pumpkins, right? So it must be less substance. It, it almost seems like he put the entertainment front and center, and it's like I spent a lot of time and heart crafting the lyrics to this, but really all of it got drowned out by that, and that's okay because that maybe that's more important than the intentionality behind the lyrics and all that. Maybe like a good song is better than like the outcome because I think it depends on your intention. It's like, do you want to be remembered as an artist or do you, do you, hit, or yeah. do you want to hit? Yeah. Cause that's what yeah. it comes down to. This is like that thing of like, you put a lot of thought into why it sounds the way it does. But at the end of the day, it's just going to be girls with martinis going do 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 because it's catchy. I bet he laughs yeah, his like, ass off every time he gets a royalties check for this fucking song. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm just, yeah. probably. Every time, every time a Walgreens sends him a check like once a year for, yeah, we're going to keep licensing your music. Yeah, he said it's a song about always wanting something. It's about never being satisfied or reaching backwards to things that you've lost and towards things that you can never get. I think everybody has some identification with that. The storyline is just an extreme example of that condition. I think that's what makes people really relate to semi-charmed life. I think what people relate to is the fucking dude to do it. Absolutely. Yeah, but but that's also the the like type of you're almost conditioned to think that about the song, right? Yeah. That I mean, why would you not? You're sitting there watching, you know, some fucking rom com or whatever, and it's the moment where the guy's supposed to be changing or getting a different perspective, and this is the shit you hear, so you associate the song. With that level of authenticity and shit to it. So you think that like osmosis, like throughout all the the decades, has sort of conditioned us to be like, this is sort of a demure song that's sort of like a meet cute go to soundtrack thing. Yes. What's absolutely? What's what's, oh absolutely? What is that Marvel show that came out not that long ago? She Hulk. No, oh, I just figured that was the one you watched. It's the one that's like that. It's (laughs) (laughs) It's that one with. 
Patton Oswalt. Megan the Stallion teaches her how to how to fucking twerk or whatever, whatever that shows. And she about. apparently like hurt her groin or something. Oh doing my god, he knows like, details it, about it. <laughs> it. It was a whole thing. Like yeah. she it, did a TED talk. And <laughs> I haven't seen it. I'm not interested in watching it. Yeah, hateful, toxic. <laughs> I know. Canceled. I know. Hey, turns out. That's who I really am. Yeah, that's right. Good bit. <laughs> Fuck, Jesse's here. <laughs> like, listen, I'll come on the podcast and tell, do a lot of talk, but at the end of the day, I fucking hate Jesse dies next, 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 next. There's that Marvel show that came out like a year ago with Patton Oswalt. It's like an animated show. It's He plays like a giant head. I don't remember. Oh, Modoc. Modoc, yeah. I remember seeing the trailer over and over again for that show when it was launching. And he sings this song at the very end of it. And a guy like busts out of the closet and he's like, do, 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 Oh, that do. sounds good. I mean, it, now that I understand the song, I feel like now I understand the intention probably in that scene. Cause he's supposed to be like sad or something. Yeah. And then he comes busting out doing that. That Marvel says nothing else is working. So let's cover meth addiction and blowjobs. <laughs> right. But yeah. it, it's funny because it feels like the song has two different things happening there at the same time. Yeah. There's a reflection like what the song really is about and it's sort of like trying to capture something. And then there's the character coming out for the comic relief doing do-do-do-do-do-do-do. And it's like acknowledging both things at once. Yeah, you, that's the association that people have for the song yeah. is that chorus. You're going to be listening to the Viking song later by Led Zeppelin and realize like, wait, is this about abortion? What the fuck? <laughs> Because there's a lot of songs that have coding in them, even like closing. Time. Oh shit! I can't. I can't fucking like Led Zeppelin anymore. <laughs> shit. Wait, because you're for or against it? I didn't say what the lyrics were. <laughs> <laughs> it's about something. It's about abortion. Okay, therefore no one can like it. Okay, that's all. But like, Semi Sonic's closing time is about having a baby. But that's a coded song. Yeah. Where like the lyrics have double meaning, right? This is not like that. This is just straight up. Those are the lyrics. And yeah, you just heard this at Toys R Us. And the only thing that was warped was this, were the words crystal meth. That is wild to me, man. Like, Yeah, I, but that's... Culture's funny. That's, yeah. that's kind of, that, that kind of encapsulates a lot of things from the 90s where you would associate it with, like, I, I guess the, the visual representation of the same effect that you're seeing is you see something like Ren and Stimpy or South Park or Beavis and Butthead where it's cartoons. It's cartoons, so it must be funny. It must be silly. It's just a cartoon. What are they going to cover or say or do that could be bad? Or not bad, but just like adult content for kids to absorb. Yeah. And they had, that's all it was. That was nearly all it was. That was almost all of it. If you just paid attention a little bit, it'd be like, what the fuck is happening in this show? Well, eight-year-olds probably shouldn't watch this. That's the same thing. It's the same effect. You just, you, you've couched something in this, you know, positive light or attitude or whatever, and someone just thinks it doesn't have that same type of uh, ammo behind it. Yeah. Right. I mean, like, I'm sure there's an episode of Doug where he has a toothache, and, like, he's envisioning how the dentist is, you know, like this Tower of London scenario, and then Ren and Stimpy's got an episode where Ren pulls all of his teeth out and then has to pull his nerve endings out that are all twitching. So the nerve ending fairy comes and pays him a visit at the end. Like that's the difference between one cartoon on Nickelodeon and another cartoon that comes on right after or before it on Nickelodeon. 
And this song is sort of couched in that same thing of like, this song came on right after like a Bush song. Yeah. Or a No Doubt song or something. Yeah. And it's like, those songs are, you know, you probably have it's to whatever. Like, it's whatever. Yeah. yeah, it's whatever. It is, it is amateur hour. And then you look at this and it's like, this is a song about all kinds of fucked up shit. Like, right. This seems like a song in a, a Grand Theft Auto game or something. Like, this is insane. Yeah. Yeah. It seems crafted. And yeah. it seems well put together. And I like it. I, I like it more n- now that I've learned what it is actually about. Because sure, before, when you're a kid and you hear the song, you're young, you're like, oh yeah, this is fun. This is cool. Yeah. You know, like, chicks like it, so I like it too. Yeah, I learned it, it today doesn't matter. what the song is. Yeah, but about. when you, but when you yeah. learn about you know, what the intentionality is behind it, well, I, I, I like that aspect of it a lot more. And I like the fact that this dude is capitalizing off the fact that, you know, whatever fucking law firm adjacent asshat just wants to license this song out so that he can promote fucking plushies for his new toy line or whatever. The Winnie the Pooh movie. Yeah, the Winnie the Pooh movie. (laughs) You you asked earlier, what Winnie the Pooh movie was that? It's Requiem for a Piglet. (laughs) 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 I was working on it in my head like, there's gotta be something there. Oh, it's the uh, one where Eeyore finally commits suicide. (laughs) It's the one where Eeyore dies and then Piglet sucks poo off (laughs) with the honey jar. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Fuck. (laughs) Anything else? No, I guess I guess like we talked a little bit earlier. I mean, off mic about like the show. We try to figure out if these things still hold up whatsoever. And honestly, if this song didn't for you because it's played out and it's sort of like too kitschy and upbeat, but you've learned what the actual like intent and purpose of the thing was, and it's sort of like that's there's a little more nuance there than I gave it credit for. This is one of those that I would hear it. It wouldn't be on a playlist, but I'd hear it. I wouldn't change it. I'd be like, yeah, the song. I know the song. Yeah, but let's see what's like, next. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. But then now I would hear it and actually listen to it, and it would be thoughtful. I'd be like, this is actually yeah, like so a pretty... Maybe the show works, and, yeah. and the format does in that sense of like, we would have never... If we hadn't looked into it, we would have never bothered... Even, even wanting to right. cover it, be like, ah, oh, fuck, we got covered. That if we was just like, we get Garrett to play the song, and that's the end of it. We don't talk about it. We don't talk about like the research we did, or like we didn't really like kind of squint at the lyrics and go, what? What? Then the show does work in that sense because this held up better than Weird Science, I guess, in some ways because you just learned this morning. And if I guess if anyone's listening and they learned, like, oh, that's not a shitty song. Right. Good. Yeah. good. I would say it's definitely better now having that's more posterity. Something about it. Yeah. 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 And weird science is one of those. Just like ah, it's just like every other problematic '90s TV show. Yeah. It's, yeah. Not really yeah. problematic at all. No, yeah. not at all. Yeah. So, all right. It was a good song. Yep. Change it. Do you know? Yeah. 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 That what most people don't know about AIDS is still a video. Time out. The truth about HIV, AIDS, and you. It's filled with facts and fun. And we're back. All right, so uh, some new information has just come in. Um, you know, um, saddest today is uh, we, we managed to get uh, Garrett's last will and testament, though, from uh, his family. Okay. And we'd like is to it share. Is a grocery list? or? <laughs> okay. Got, I'm sorry, sorry. It's close. just a menu. <laughs> Um, we're going to go ahead and re- uh, read that for all of you guys now. So, uh, I, Garrett Leslie, hereby proclaim that the following items be distributed to the sub- subsequent parties upon the inevitable failure of my fat shit heart or harpooning. 
Number one, my guitar should be thrown into a fireplace so it can actually be of some use to somebody. Jesse. I'm sorry. I can't. Jesse, keep it together. This is very very sad. It's all right, My telescope should be given to any of the other half-witted dumb shits on the podcast so they can use it to see their pricks. That's really thoughtful, actually. My German grandfather's documents should be given to a shredder and then placed directly into the incinerator like we used to do when I was a little girl. He was an internationalist, a patriot, and misunderstood. I'm not really sure what he means by that one. My precious, precious painted dolls are to be lovingly given to my one true love, the big waitress, Desiree, from the Ribcage Barbecue Restaurant in Skunkfuck, Mississippi, that always had been big and cannot brief. It's, a, it's okay, Dalton. This, we'll get through this. This is the last time we're ever going to talk about Garrett. Be okay. Jesse. Last but not least. As you were. <laughs> Last but not least, my globe should be given to you dense, flat earther, fucking idiot, fuck you. Hereby witnessed by Willie B. Hardigan. There's also signatures here for Garrett, Willie, and Big Bitch from Ribcage. Damn, I can't believe he found her. (laughs) He didn't. There's no signature. This showed up better the other day. I just put a bunch of grease from my watch for her signature. <laughs> 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 but I'm sitting there signing this stuff. Look, I'm sitting there printing this shit off at the work printer. <laughs> just being like, look, it's sitting upright on my desk. I went and took a piss. And I'm like, that cannot be upright. <laughs> so I'm sitting there and I'm getting ready to like sign her name in crayon or something. And look, my, my, my Tupperware is sitting there and I'm like, oh, what if I do this? Take my fingers and just smear that all over it. Just sort of bleeds through the fucking thing. That's what I did when I was making your birthday card with you, the Godzilla body. Yeah. I was just at the work printer, like cutting this picture. You didn't, out. You didn't laugh at Willie B. Hard again, Esquire. Yeah, yeah I like Willie B. Hard again. Willie B. Hard yeah. again. Yeah. That took me it's... a bit. I was driving. Oh, I was trying to think of like a Jewish name, and I'm like, oh, Willie B. Hard again. I can't. Uh, I can't believe that Garrett is gone, but I'm glad he left. His dolls in good condition. Yeah, at least something will be there. I was really considerate to leave his telescope for us. Yeah, I, I, I don't think it'll work, but it's worth a try. Yeah, yeah. And, and, we can take turns. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, to be fair, I mean the distribution process should be pretty easy because we're just gonna throw all that shit in the trash and turn the documents into the FBI. So I think it's gonna be a pretty straightforward process. Yeah. Uh, the next episode will be our Christmas episode, and not any other holiday because we don't recognize those. <laughs> so, <laughs> you hear that, Alaska? So whatever the fuck. Kwanzaa bullshit igloo adjacent thing that you do not happening in our show. Kwanzaa, <laughs> Alaska. Thank you for killing our friend, but ain't gonna happen for you, bud. Uh, so we're gonna go ahead and roll for the Christmas episode. Christmas, yay! Oh, jingle bell, jingle bell, jingle bell, jingle my dick. Our movie is going to be. So original. Home Alone, the first one. Hey, I mean, this did you play that? Yeah. No, I no, I I had fifty or eighteen movies picked up. I had Die Harder too. On that's a nineties movie. It's nineteen ninety. And it's a fucking Christmas movie. It's a Christmas. Uh, but you know, we got Home Alone. 
That's what we got. All right. So, yeah. Damn. Sweet. Okay, so you had a pool of Christmas movies, specifically then. No, I just picked from the 900 on the list and hoped it would be a Christmas movie. Yeah, I had Christmas movies. Oh, you didn't tell me we were doing that. Yeah, we're doing, okay. yeah, just Christmas stuff. Yeah. And then our TV show is going to be, all right, prepare to not get hard, boys. Boy Meets World, a very Topanga Christmas episode. Oh, shit. Jesse's going to be thrilled. Someone talks to a woman nicely. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm already hard. That's a lie. <laughs> and know. our music video is Snoop Dogg, Santa Claus Goes Straight to the Ghetto. That's a song? That's a song. What? Yeah, what? Like, Look, what? It was either this or like Mariah Carey fucking orgasms her way through a Christmas classic, like a Bing Crosby yeah, cover. Please, for the love of God, can we just not put Ma- Mariah Carey on the list? Is that they, the It was on there with Michael Bolton, like <sighs> snowed in or whatever the fuck. Like where they're, they're peering out like a window and going, yep, still too snowy out there. Let's make a Christmas album. Every one of those fucking things was like that. Backstreet Boys, in sync. Uh, Hanson had one I can tolerate that But the Mariah Carey Is so overplayed That I'm just like Oh god But we're not doing her We're doing Snoop Dogg Okay that's Someone fine. who's actually yeah. black <laughs> Anyone got anything else? <laughs> Finally we're back to it Being a meme podcast <laughs> Jesse I just want to say Before we go I'm just so glad That we're doing this now with the with the dream team, the crew, the yeah. the guys that man, I've been waiting for a moment like this. I just it feels good that like now that we've brought snacks, we'll finally get to taste them. Yeah. Somebody brings drinks, they won't all be slurped down, and we can actually go to KFC without someone scarfing down all the skin before we even get to it. It's just yeah. it feels good, feels nice. Um, it's kind of nice just having to use three chairs instead of five too. That's yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah. You know what? I I actually feel like for once, when we sign off, you know, we're not gonna just go eat at a Waffle House. Yeah, for sure. And that's nice. You guys actually get to eat. Well, okay. I mean, if you go back in the kitchen, was yeah, yeah. If you intercept the waitress going to the bathroom, yeah, you can you can eat a piece of bacon <laughs> before he fucking rolls through the door. <laughs> we can cut some of that out. We have enough fat jokes in there. Does anyone have any final words? Do you think he has to call ahead and ask how many cartons of eggs they have before (laughs) we get there? I said, however many you can lay, sir. (laughs) (laughs) We walk through the door and they say, wow, I didn't know there was going to be a shitty music talent today. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, anyway, we're all out of. No, do you want to do Patreon? Yeah, yeah, I was about to do it. Okay, okay. I'm sorry. I was about to do it. Yeah, so clearly the jokes aren't going to get any better, and we're all out, just like we're... <laughs> Whoa, I can't, can't even get where, where's, he gonna, where's he going with this? Yeah, where, where, where could I go? Yeah, just infinite pathways open up before him on the joke opportunity. Yeah. All right, if you enjoyed the podcast and you want to listen to more content, head on over to patreon.com slash 90s roulette podcast. There's some extra stuff there where we're even meaner. Jesse? Great. Rate, review, subscribe, and thanks for listening, everybody. And uh, the whole bit about Garrett being dead, that's not true at all. That's just a myth. We just made all that up for the show. Oh, shit. Uh, But Garrett is a big fucking fat shit, and all that is true, and that's not a bit we do just for the show. So, bye. (laughs) (laughs) See ya.
more like blast from my ass. <laughs> and I thought if he says it, I'll say, what, I've come? <laughs> <laughs> I, I was like, I can't believe he didn't do it. 